Right. I don't know. It's very strange. Hang on. We lost Donald. Let me see if his phone died or if... Uh... Oh, okay. Poor guy. We probably just bored him. He probably just hung up because we bored him to he death. hung up. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Did you get that bored with us that you just hung up, man? Hello, and welcome again to another groundbreaking, ground-smashing edition of Once in a Blue Moon podcast. I'm looking up in the sky right now, and I see a blue moon, so I guess it's time to start recording. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> uh, joining me to my left is Matt Murdick. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, sir. Okay, no problem. Good to have you back. And to my other right, I have Lady Oddity slash Camille. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm looking at your Snapchats right now and laughing at them. (laughs) Hilarious. Realizing realizing that you probably curse a lot in real life. Yeah, I really do. It's bad. (laughs) No, they're very entertaining. Um, I don't really get into Snapchat that often, but I'm trying to start. Man, you don't have a Snapchat, do you? Oh, Lord, no. That's a a (laughs) step beyond. I'm too old for that stuff. (laughs) No, dude, it was like when I started Snapchat, like it was horrible. I had no idea what was going on. And then I quit it. And then my brother was like, I'm going to be on this only. I'm quitting Facebook again. So then I'm like, damn, I just got to get it back. And now I'm like learning it. And it's like, I've never felt so old by technology. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's you got to be careful what you post on there and stuff. But... Yeah, very true. Uh, it's it's kind of funny how. Social media is just so integrated into our everyday lives now. And yep. I, like, uh, Camille, how old are you, if you mind me asking? I'm 26. All right, you, so we're all generally the same age, Matt. You're, what, 32? <laughs> <laughs> generally the same age. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like nearly 20 years older than Camille. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think we, we can all kind of, because I'm 30, so in my lifetime, I've seen cell phones come into existence. I've seen the internet go from two or three websites that you could barely connect to uh, dial up uh, to what it is now. So I think in all of our lifetimes, we've seen both sides of this coin where, where how do we even make it before this, before the GPS was on your phone, before text messaging, before cell phones, before the internet, all this stuff. And so now where it's such a big part of your life, like we're, we're literally all just talking on our, on our cell phones and on our computers with people that we probably could not do this with 15 years ago. So I just, yep. I just think it's crazy to me. And when I sit back and just realize how far we've come, it's just kind of, kind of weird. And it's kind of also, it's a little bit annoying at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's like technology only, you know, it grows rapidly and it only gets, it only speeds up the process. You know, things get, made and less than the years that they were before their predecessors, you know, it's just, it's it's ever changing and it's always gonna outdate us from now. We're gonna look back at even use it, like you know, like yeah. it's it's crazy. The trends and the apps and all the stuff that the kids are into, it's pretty wild, like what's gonna be new and, you know, fashionable and popular in the next year or so. So it's like everything's changing all the time. Like this this world we live in is heavily reliant on the technology and the change it brings so life yeah. is crazy <laughs> well i i think that it, what one of the fantastic things about technology is how much it makes how much better it makes our television right yeah. because oh my we don't God. get yes, any kind of effects like this back in 
back in the pre-internet days or back in the pre-supercomputer days. Yeah. I, we recently got this really nice HD TV at my um in my apartment, and um, we I was watching the hockey game. Well, a few people over in there watching the hockey game, and it was on like the the normal channels that that like weren't HD. And I'm like, why does this look so pixely? <laughs> like this looks terrible. <laughs> and then we go to the HD channel, and I was like, how did we live with ourselves before this HD? Like it's crazy. It's so know, crazy. It's gotten really bad. I'll tell you how stupid I am. When I first moved into the house that I'm in now, I had this uh, 50-inch plasma screen TV that I got maybe like five years ago. So it, it was 1080i. So I never actually seen 1080p, and now there's mm. this like ultra ultra HD and 4K HD and all this other stuff. So uh, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm still I have a HD TV, but I'm still kind of behind the curve. So I went out and I got one of the brand new like 1080 1080p uh, ultra HD TVs with the 3D capabilities and everything. Oh, um, yeah. And here's, and here's another thing that ties into what we were talking about earlier. I sold my other TV through Facebook, which is just kind of ridiculous when you think about how oh, years ago you have to go and get a classified ad and wow. wait, for somebody to, yeah, wait for somebody to call you. I just joined a book on uh, um, a group on Facebook, and I just posted it. was like the local things for sale, just random things. So I posted my TV on there. Someone texted me within five minutes, and they were they had already came and got the TV within an hour. So it was wow. just cash in my hand. And um, went out and got another TV. That TV broke like maybe two weeks later. And I still have it. It's in, it's in like my, my back, far back room. And I never went to get it fixed or anything. I, I was so desperate to have a TV that I went out and actually bought another one. And I went out <laughs> and got that one. It was like a, it was like a 57 inch now. And it's like 4K, super ultra HD. And uh, <laughs> that's how bad I needed it. Like I literally, I said I could not go to bed that night if I didn't have another TV. I, like so a lot of people tell me, what's well, just going to take it to get it fixed or something? I was like, no, I can't wait. Got to have a TV right now. So I just have like a, a broken TV in the back of my room that could possibly be fixed. That's worth like maybe like 800 bucks that I just didn't, never, never bought it getting fixed. But that's how bad I had to have a TV. <laughs> wow. Right on, man. <laughs> I get it yeah, though, but, man. Uh, like TVs look so amazing. Like, especially when you're watching like a good show that has, or a movie, you know, it's just, it, it's that quality that, makes you want to sit in front of that tv you know it's like the closest thing you can get to being in a theater with that you know big screen amazing graphics like it's it's the experience and we love our media so we want it to look as best as it can so i I understand i get it exactly go go pop in one of the um, the old season two of buffy dvds and and just see how bad it looks compared to everything (laughs) <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> and, and at the time, that was like cutting edge, like crisp. It was just, it was just horrible. But I don't know. Speaking, speaking of TV, I guess we could transition into uh, the TV talk. So, um, Camille, I think this is mostly Camille's idea to bring us all back together. We'd all gone off and had spent off and done our own things in life. And Camille was like, let's get the old gang back together and do uh, <laughs> So, Camille, I'm going to let you pick the first thing to talk about from this long list that you gave me oh boy um it's like i want to jump right into flash and arrow but that's two things and then you know (laughs) hmm and then louie but that's kind of depressing but not really (laughs) let's you know what let's let's start with the oldest thing here (laughs) let's let's uh, wrap up our our walking dead podcast that we (laughs) never got to well, I mean, yeah. the Walking Dead season, we didn't get to really finish, you know, or really talk about our thoughts. 
at least with the last season. So let's let's go with uh, Walking Dead since it's been a very long time. And it's kind of crazy, but this was actually one of the first seasons of Walking Dead I've actually liked in a very long time. Like, I didn't think I'd care at all about the story, the characters, but this is, like, the first time I feel that the show has grasped, like, what the sh- what they want to do and what they want their characters to do and what role these characters play. I, I'm pretty impressed, honestly. I didn't think that I'd watch a season of Walking Dead and be like, that's definitely something I want to come back to, you know, like, overall. The start of the seasons are usually good, the middle of the season is good, and then the end where... I felt like this season was actually decent all the way around. So um, just in general, I'm very, very like happy with Walking Dead and I'm actually looking forward to the next season. So um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a nice feeling to like that show again, because it's been a long time since I've truly liked it consistently. So um, did you guys did you guys really like any of this this newer season? Well, I guess I would say that. Personally, you know, I think I discussed this the last time we talked about Walking Dead was I, I dropped out for a long time and, and, yeah. and then I, I caught back up. And uh, the last part of season three all the way through season four and uh, through season five were, were all good to me. Uh, it's I think maybe two was just such a letdown that I, I was skeptical about three. And then once I finally got back into it, then it was cool. I Being in that little town or in that town... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, maybe, and I don't know if this was the intent of the show or not, but I always had this kind of claustro. You almost felt claustrophobic in that place. Like, it, yeah. to me, that kind of tension was even better than being out there on the road facing walkers in in the respect that just in an area that small, just crazy things could happen. And I, I, I kind of really, I really liked um uh, that feeling that it gave me. I, I don't know if I like where Rick is in the end of this or not. I, the whole deal about just taking over the town. Um, it, it's almost like they're turning the good guys in the, into the bad guys to me. Yeah. Uh, d- does it seem that way to, to you, Donald? Totally. I, and I think that's one of the original things about the show is that I, I feel like, I feel like slowly they've been doing that. And a lot of people complain that, you no, know, who do I root for now? But you, you're starting to see that theme with a lot of TV shows with the anti-hero, with the Walter White, or, or the, the people that... It sort of makes it makes watching a little bit more complicated than it used to be, where you just have a good guy, and then whoever was against him, bad guy. But now it's a little more cloudy than that, and that's sort of this new age of television. Yeah. Everyone loves the anti-hero, so it's definitely like what they're playing on, you know? I think too it's it's a fair assessment to say that with all the all the things that the group in general has gone through like they're just one of their circle they're friendly even if they've opened you know their home to to their group Rick's group it's it's always this constant looming feeling of like what's going to go wrong how am I going to have to protect myself from these people or for these people and it's like at this point, it's kind of like you got to be your own boss and you have to take over what's what works because if people are relying on you, those are not the people who should be calling the shots. You know, if you're the one who is the caretaker of everything, you should also be the person somewhat somewhat in control or at least ha- having a say 
and how things are ran, you know, because you know what the people are like, you know what you have to be to protect. And I, I love that aspect of it. I mean, it seems very like scary what Rick had to be or what he has become at times. But at the same time, like when you deal with so much craziness, you're going to be a little crazy yourself. So um, I'm really into what they're doing with, with Rick, especially. And I'm just excited to see where everyone's going. And I, I loved like the stuff they did with Carol. Like I, he, she was one of my least favorite characters. Like when she started getting a little like crazy and a little more like ballsy, but now I'm like, this lady is awesome. She's I, I love her development, so kudos to them for that, I think. Yeah. Um well how do you guys feel about the the idea of having first of all, having your, your good guys, quote unquote good guys, turn into bad guys, but also having the the uh, vision to to watch it happen and see that like, okay, well, if this was me I would do this and that, but it's not you because they're going through different things and they're they're literally having their lives threatened by all these groups of people over and over and over again. And you start to, to say, well, how would I react? You know, in that instance where I think there was even a scene a couple of seasons ago, I mean, the last season where the guy was trying to, I guess, rape Carl and to see Rick mm-hmm. kind of lose his mind like that. I, I started to think, well, I don't have any kids, but man, how would I feel? Would I kill that guy? <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> it, it, and then in this, this particular instance where it, it seems more like Rick has just lost it again. And, and it's not really an instance of, of people trying to kill them per se, but they're 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 putting them in a, a bad position, and they're sort of coming from the the standpoint of, look, we've been here, we know how to do this, okay? You guys are, are stupid, so this is the way it's going to be. And, and and it's gotten even to the point where other people in Rick's group are, are kind of like when Michonne punched him out, for instance. Like yeah. I thought that that was that was sort of a voice of reason. Where like Rick, you've gone too far. You've been in this too long. And, and Michelle started coming from a different standpoint. So I guess with all of that being said, I kind of complicated the question. I, uh, do, you, do you, are you coming from the standpoint? I think I'll throw this one to Matt first. Because Matt ha- um, often has a, definitely an original way of looking at things like this. But Matt, coming from, from what we know and what, how we follow these guys, are you more in line with Rick's crew or are you more against Rick's crew? Well, that's a tough question, man. And I, I think that you're right. That's the question we're all supposed to be asking is, is now what do we do in terms of how we feel about these guys? Um, I, I think the thing that is most clear is that the big, the biggest enemy in this post-apocalyptic world is, is paranoia. And how you deal with that paranoia it will define you one way or the other. And I personally would be on the side of dealing with it a little bit better than Rick and Carol are uh, <laughs> personally, but that, you know, it's easy for me to say, cause I'm not like you pointed out, Donald, I'm not in that world. So it's very easy for me to sit back here very idealistically and say, Oh, well, no one should ever do that, you know, and play the good Senator who in, in the meantime, <laughs> if I was in the exact same situation, we would probably be doing the same thing. Uh, but it, I, I, it makes me worry for them. I don't know if I, it makes me like them better or less, but it definitely makes me worry for them. Because once that kind of seeds in, uh, I think you brought this up too, Donald, is the fact that that paranoia is now going to start eating people from within the group as well. Uh, you're, and like you pointed out, there's already kind of that division. There's Michelle. Glenn has always been kind of the, the, the decent dude, you know. And then you've got Laura being pulled uh, or not Laura, um, what's Glenn's wife's name? Maggie being pulled Maggie. 
Yeah, she's being pulled uh, in another direction. And so it, it just seems like uh, the life that they're living is tearing them apart as much as they're trying to stay a quote-unquote kind of family. Was that enough? That's, no, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll throw it over to Camille and see if she can follow that up. Yeah, it's like... I, I just like have have in mind of all the all the things that happen with with just the characters in the overall season. I kind of get that mentality, or at least I understand that mentality of you just grow tired of of trying to trust in others and giving the benefit of the doubt. I mean, it is definitely like Matt was saying, this game of paranoia. How much of it is gonna seep into who you are and affect how you treat others and all that? And that's definitely what's happening. Is certain members are losing their trust with themselves, with the people around them. And it's really tearing them, tearing them apart either gradually or instantly. And it's definitely mm-hmm. a big, big problem with like, not the show, but like with the characters future interactions is like, who are they going to be able to trust when someone new comes around? And I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with the way Rick is handling things, but I do think like, a step back from the intensity would be ideal, you know, like he's, he's definitely taking a few steps a little too far at times. And it's just, it comes with that paranoia he has and that protectiveness for his family. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with their decisions, like the group and some of the more intense stuff, but I do think like that being said, it is a little too much at times. So it's like, if you guys could be that, but a little less of that, like, that would probably be a little more realistic, you know. But, you know, it's all it's all in the matter of how much they're willing to, you know, let things happen. And I think maybe that's the point of view, is if they let certain things slide, then something worse is going to happen. And that was, like, I think the whole lesson of the final episode and the final scenes is when oh. that guy kills that the lady's, like, husband or whatever. Like, it's like this one guy is dangerous now. He's only going to get worse. And then to prove the point, you know, he kills her husband. And it's this whole deal of like, yes, Rick, Rick now you should kill him because he hurt me. And it's like, you know, we can either be diplomatic and send him on his way or he's going to kill someone else and then bring people back. You know, it's like the governor thing. But I don't know. It's it's just like that group has been through so much. You, I can't really be too upset with how crazy they are but it is like man that's freaking crazy <laughs> like it's a little too much guys <laughs> but i don't know that's kind of where i stand it's like pull it back a little bit and then maybe i can get on board with the the way they're going about things like i wasn't a fan of them taking over the, the town but i understood like yes this makes sense for how much you guys are doing this is probably the most like ideal thing but i don't know it's kind of where i stand with it yeah, I agree. And as a person that's read most of the comics, they're actually holding back a lot of stuff. So I don't know. Uh, but it, it's a little more tricky than something like, say, it's the same person as Game of Thrones, where you read the books and with the show. And then once something happens, you're free to talk about the books mm-hmm. for the most part. But with um, The Walking Dead, it's like they're pulling a lot of stuff. It's, it's a lot more complicated. So it's really, really, you can almost never talk about the the comments because you don't know if they're going to swing it back around and have another yeah. character introduced that does something. So, but uh, there was, there was a, in particular, I know people that have read the comics in particular, there was one scene that people were waiting for this year and it just didn't happen. 
So hopefully that'll happen next year and drive everybody crazy. That's all I'll say about that. Oh, right on. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's start over to Matt now. We've scratched out Walking Dead, so there's plenty in the list if you want to pick one out. Uh, how about we go with the uh, the Flash and Arrow stuff since Camille wanted to put that off, but I, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'll just say, first off, that I felt like... Uh, these were the best seasons of the show, of both shows. Of course, Flash is just brand new, but I yeah. really enjoyed Flash. And uh, I really enjoyed this season of, of uh, Arrow as well. Uh, the only thing that I didn't like, I'll start with Arrow. The only thing that I didn't like about Arrow really was the flashbacks. Um, and Donald, I know you and I have talked on Twitter, uh, all season long about how, you know, they're just, they've just run out of ideas. The engine is tired and old and, and it's really not working. Um, one thing that I will say though, is when it came down to, uh, the fight, out, uh, between the husband and wife, um, that's when I felt like it paid off just a little bit. Um, finally. You know, and, and it wasn't it definitely wasn't worth all of the all of the wasted time that we had when we could have been <laughs> spending time with our characters. Uh, but at least it did offer a little bit of a payoff to, to all of that stuff. Um, and then Flash, the only complaint that I really have about that is uh, and this is another thing Don, that Donald and I went back and forth on on Twitter uh, agreeing for once uh, is that the science and time travel is just too wacky uh, on Flash. However, it is supposed to be based on a comic book, so that's okay. You know, it's not like you can't forgive it. It's not like you have to just, like, totally uh, dish the whole show for it. Uh, but I was just, like, going, oh, come on, guys. Come <laughs> on. Uh, but that was the only thing that really bothered me about Flash. Otherwise, I really enjoyed both seasons a whole lot. Um, how about you guys? Uh, Camille, you want to Yeah. So... So basically, I went from well, I started I started um, Arrow within like maybe early this year, within like January February time. So I've been watching Arrow since then, trying to catch up. And then eventually, I did. And once I started season three, I started Flash. And so like I've been watching a whole lot of Arrow for a long time now. It feels. And long story short. Um, as far as like the season of Arrow goes, actually this is like my least favorite. I I really, I really dislike the flashback stuff. I mean, I under I totally get that they serve a purpose and they correlate with things that are happening in in the episodes. You know, they have a reason to be there, but it's just it was just like one constant story that it was building up for this big epic battle at the end, which you know. It was an emotional payoff, but I didn't feel like it was worth it compared to the stuff that was happening in season. And, like, I honestly feel like maybe season two is a lot more of where I feel at home with, with Arrow. Because with, with this season three, like, they, they I felt like they stalled a lot. And I don't feel like, in general, Arrow stalls too often. So I was, like, kind of sitting on this, like, is, is you know... Is Oliver going to go to that place? Is he not going to go to that place? Is he going to be the next Rage? And then he is. And then it was like, they usually kind of cut through this stuff a little bit faster. So I felt, I don't know, I felt kind of like the feet, the feet were dragging for this, for the season, I feel. But like, oh. I, I just love the, I, like, I love the instant action and everything happening, you knowing things instead of kind of waiting it out. Like, they, they did a different thing this season. 
and it was not what I was used to. And I think that's why I felt very weird about it, just because I'm like expecting something to happen or, you know, for them to do something really, really crazy like they always do at the end of each episode. And it was like a lot more slow burn. And I got so much more comfortable with the the other, a little more fast paced kind of viewing that it was like, oh, my God, now I'm waiting for this. Next, and it also didn't help that I was watching it live because wait a week, you gotta do a commercials, all that stuff. It was a pain. Like it, it's like the worst transition going from watching things back to back and then watching it live. Like that, yep. I think that was my mistake. Is I, I should have just either, you know, started it or waited till the season was over because like that, that really disrupted how I was viewing the show versus what I was doing before. You know, like that really does change a lot of how you interpret things. I agree. Um, I, actually, that's how I started watching Lost. I, I ran through the first three and a half seasons and picked up uh, towards season four. And it was never the same. Um, it, it's something to say about momentum, I guess. And I don't know if anything like that will ever change with network TV because it's really the only way they can do it. But stuff like Netflix started experimenting differently. That's a new show on Netflix right now that's another original series. And they release uh, an episode every week. So they they didn't release them all at one time. So it's it's, all, it's almost like Netflix is just sort of experimenting with just how to do it. But I, I don't know. It's, it's it's just a weird thing. And it just, I guess it just depends. I, I think that's why DVD sales have, have been so good since the DVD sort of the box set was introduced. And they've also been, they've been reviving shows and, and a lot more people know it to watch shows and get a little different kind of enjoyment out of it. But to, to speak to... I guess directly what you guys said. I, I have to agree with Camille. I think that this season of Arrow suffered with pacing and with with story too. Honestly, uh, Matt with the flashbacks, I totally agree. There was a lot of times where I was just like, "Man, can, can we just get through this?" I, I figured they're all going to die anyway. I kind of figured Katana was going to die because she's going to be in a new Suicide Squad movie, and they they've been weird about having characters on the screen and the small screen at the same time. They think people get confused, but I think you either need to just do like Marvel and have it all just one joint universe where you can have a TV show that within the universe of the movies. You don't have to be scared to do that or just trust your audience. Most of those mm-hmm. people are hardcore fans anyway, and they're not going to get confused oh. when they see Ben Affleck as Batman and then they see somebody else as Batman. On the, you know, I think just trust your audience a little bit more. One of the main reasons I think that, that Arrow suffered so much I felt like they used Arrow this year. They, they they used it as a way to set up the other shows. Uh, Flash, and then this other show that's coming out with um, the, the Atom. It, yeah. They sort of just used it like, hey, Arrow's been real successful. Let's, let's use this season to launch a bunch of other characters. And there was a lot going on in this season. Don't get me wrong. It was a lot of stuff going on. With the Atom, with Felicity, with Nanda Carbot, with I mean, just you could just name all the storylines they had going on. There was just a ton of stuff going on. And while that's great, I also think it did kind of make the story suffer a bit. And what it looks like to me was going to happen is they're doing a sort of soft reboot uh, because obviously the last episode played like a series finale. Like, where do you yeah. even go from there? So, so it might be a while before we even see him in the Arrow suit again, which I think is always good for a show to to hold back that, that main character a bit. And they, they've done it this year. He hasn't been in that suit for quite a while, and it gave other people a chance to shine. But eventually, he's going to have to come back into the forefront. And what that means for his character, whether he'll be stronger for it, 
are more accepting of a traditional relationship or, or, or whatnot, a little less dark because he's always been the darkest of the, the, the characters that they've introduced. And I like the, the interplay between that where you get someone like Barry, who's really playful and, and really happy-go-lucky, even someone like, like Roy Palmer, who was really sort of goofy and, and stuff like that. He always plays well off of those characters, and they've always played him as sort of a Batman kind of character. So I'm while, while this season was a letdown for me in, in, in some ways, I also think it was a really good season at the same time. And I'm, I'm actually, it makes me look, look forward to, I guess, the season four a, a lot more. I felt like this, even Arrow's end, I felt like this could have been the series finale and I would have been so happy with that. Like, yeah. there was so much closure and I loved that. And I totally agree. It's definitely like a series reboot, you know, where they're just kind of starting over, you know, like they, they played all their cards mm-hmm. out and now there's all these other people to take over. So that's that's great. I I think it's definitely one of the best, like, kind of mini endings that they could have wrote because I'm now I'm worried that they won't ever get this chance to write something like that again without it mm. completely copying this you know but it could be the end of Oliver's story and starting a whole new story which I'm completely fine with uh, here's the thing that concerns me and, and this is just strictly from a business end of it is that like Berlanti now has his feet in so many pools that I, I'm worried that everything is going to suffer. I mean, yeah. just running Arrow and Flash, that's one thing. But now he's, uh, Donald, uh, and I'm sure you know Camille as well, uh, he's going to be doing a, a CBS show for Supergirl. And uh, now you've got this other, uh, as Donald mentioned, the, 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 the new show with like Adam and um, White Canary, I guess it is, and, and yeah. all of this. That's That's all going to be... Uh, put out there as well. So I, I just, I, I worry that everything this next year is going to suffer because uh, how do you, how do you manage that many different projects at the same time? I don't, I don't know of any showrunners that's been successful at that. Yeah. Cause the, yeah. the first thing I think about is like Joss Whedon and, you know, when he started doing multiple shows at a time, like I feel like you can notice in any of the shows, like which show he was really putting his all into you know some shows really suffered in terms of the writing and and that's gonna be the case of this i mean it's it's been doing like they've been doing the arrow thing with with flash you know pretty well but they're definitely to put more on there it's it's gonna make it's gonna add like this collision of what's gonna be prioritized and when when it comes to shows and writing it's not a good question to have to ask you know yeah. But, well, he's he's doubling his load next year. Yeah, exactly. More or less, you know, it's it's, it's like it, it's, he doubled his load from Arrow. Now he's doubling his load from Arrow and Flash, and that just worries me a little bit. I mean, maybe that's partially why he kind of sent Arrow on his way, or Oliver, so to speak, is so that playing playing the reset button in terms of like starting the show as building up again, you have less to really less to really like focus on, it, and you don't have to be as serious with introducing a new set of characters, a new set of storylines, it's like you get to start from the bottom and build up instead of having something already really established. I mean, we, we learn Thea's now like the red arrow, as she called herself or speedy, whatever that name is. So there's going to be this whole new sense of learning her ways and watching her try to grow and having, you know, a few people as her partners. So it's like, it's a lot of, 
like development to come. So maybe that's less of a workload in, in terms of writing. But yeah, it's definitely gonna. There will be some sense of it in in the show's writing. If this guy's incredible, then there won't be. But you know, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, that's that's the exact same thing I worried about, man. Is that now uh, that they have all these fingers in these pots? But I think with um, with Buffy and Angel, Josh Wheaton was a- able to pass it all over to some pretty good, pretty good people that worked on both episodes, uh, both uh, series. But you could definitely tell, especially when he had Firefly going. And he had three shows yep. on TV at one time, and then like a year later, he ended up with one, and then a year later, he ended up with nothing on TV. Uh, you could definitely tell. You could really tell. So I'm kind of worried, but at the same time, Flash was great this year. Yep. To say this was just the first season, it, it did not feel like this was the first season. It felt like felt like this show had carried momentum for years, and this was the kind of third season almost. So yeah, I was definitely. pleased with that. The the next show, this new show, I think it, what, does anybody know the exact name of it? It looks like it actually looks like a mini movie, but I doubt it's gonna be like a movie. It's gonna be like what a short, maybe like six episode type thing, or something like that. Maybe even more, but it seems like it's gonna be a super like one season type deal, at least from the from the looks of it, you know. But I have no idea like anything about that because I'm not familiar with like the Flash or Arrow comics to begin with, so. Let's see. What is this called? Let's see. Legends of Tomorrow. Is okay, yeah. The, yeah, and the <laughs> pilot's coming out in 2016. Then he's running uh, Supergirl for CBS. And then, of course, uh, The Flash and Arrow. Um, something else he w- had his hands in, I guess, was something called The Mysteries of Laura, which was a TV series. Never heard of that. But uh, that was running this year as well, on top of everything else. So, mm. Wow. He's a multitasker, that guy. That he is. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I think it looks kind of weird. I don't really understand what's going to happen. Are they going through time? It'll be a different time every episode. Uh, Sarah coming back, kind of weird. It just seems like they just threw everybody, every extra person they had, into this show, and they're just going to just throw them all together and they're together. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, they've done. They haven't done anything to make me think that they'll just fail at a new launch but i don't know at the same time it just looks weird so i'll just wait and see uh speaking of that the the supergirl pilot did leak i saw some people have watched it i haven't gotten to watch it yet but have we all seen that that like five minute extended promo no yeah i I saw the trailer oh you haven't no no not i didn't even know there was yeah um it's pretty much the pilot episode. I mean, it kind of spoils everything. It's, unless there's just some big surprise that they're holding back. But it, it does a good job of telling you exactly what the show is and what they're going to be doing. So uh, I don't have a problem with anything that I've seen on that so far. It, it does seem a little a little too uh, Devil Wears Prada slash superhero at night type of thing going on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how, how I feel about that. But uh, it, it looks very high quality. I was really impressed seeing some of the stuff that that they they did with the flying with uh, Ray Palmer, where mostly it's done at night and they try to mask the fact that they don't have a big budget. The Supergirl flying looks great, and it's in the daytime. So I don't know if they just gave them an extra budget for that pilot and the rest of it is going to look crappy, but uh, everything I saw looked really good. So I'm kind of looking forward to to seeing that, and mostly I'm kind of seeing looking forward to seeing if it's going to tie into the other world or if they're just going to leave it as a sort of standalone type of thing. Yeah. 
So I have I have two questions. Like, do you guys? Okay, first of all, do you guys have a preference? Do you guys favor the shows? Do you favor Arrow or Flash? Like, do you guys have a favorite, or are you guys kind of on equal, um, equal terms with with those shows in terms of like quality and just like personal like likes to the story? Um, Matt, if you wanna go ahead and answer that. Sure. Uh, I will say that this last season uh, of the two, and I still, like I said before, I think they were both really, really strong seasons. Yeah. Uh, but I, Flash was more exciting for me because it was new. Yeah. You know, and that that's probably the only reason why it was more exciting for me. So I general on, on a general level, I don't have a preference yet, but I did enjoy the Flash season more because uh, the whole Wells thing just was fun for me. Mm-hmm. I loved it. What about you, Donald? That, that, this is a complicated question, but I can answer it really easy. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, overall, Arrow is still my favorite show. I think it still yeah. has the, the strongest writing, the strongest character development, the, some of the darkest themes, and some of the, they're just the best arcs. But if Arrow, if Flash keeps up what it's doing, that's going to be my favorite show by far. Because I yeah, think it's definitely. a lot more exciting. It's a lot more ambitious than Arrow. Um, it's it's a lot more fantasy oriented. It's a lot more superhero um, type of oriented. So I think that that's going to end up being my favorite show. Yeah. Like I'm definitely in, in the same boat with you where I really do enjoy arrow, but I can easily see um, flash really becoming the, you know, getting on higher ground just because everything is doing right. I mean, like the only thing I don't really like about the flash is the kind of cheekiness it kind of has at times especially during the first maybe like six, seven episodes. Like obviously the introducing is very lighthearted and very like kind of procedural in a sense. And I really did not like that. But when they started picking up more story oriented stuff and things dealing with people's past and unveiling or unveiling these really, you know, hidden dark, deep, deep secrets. Like that was definitely when the show became a lot more of a lot more of than this kind of like, typical love triangle you know the you know the show has has to live up to these standards based on the network like I didn't feel like that lasted too long whereas like Arrow's like first season was all of that and it was terrible (laughs) but yeah I definitely definitely like I I like that the way you put it just Arrow's Arrow's on that on that like top tier stuff but like Flash is easily gonna get there and can take take the I guess take reigns over, you know, the favoritism. All right, and then the second question I have is, what do you guys think of Ray, like as as a character, you know, in the show, like Ray Palmer, the big lovable dork who wears a suit? Yeah, that's what I think of him—the big lovable dork <laughs> who wears a suit. Okay, fair enough. What What about you, Donald? I feel like. I feel like they, they wasted the actor in, on that role. I, and I'll explain, because he does do a good job in that role, but I feel like they could have just said, hey, be Superman. And yeah. that would have been great. Because I, I think he still has it. He still has that charm. Uh, he, he did a great job, and it just feels like it feels like he fits right into that world. And they, they sort of gave him this sort of a buffoon with a suit type of role. But mm-hmm. um, I I, I don't I don't doubt that he'll grow into it and make the best of it, but I, I don't know. It, it just seems kind of weird to me, and they, they're sort of using it like the Adam in the in the 
the comics is sort of you can shrink and stuff and and this but they sort of made him into an iron man type of character mm-hmm. so i don't know where, where they're going to go with that of course if you saw the previews you know you know exactly where they're going with it but i don't know if you guys have saw any of that so i'm not going to talk about it but it just seems like right now he was just iron man just there's just kind of just a guy who's just barely being a superhero which i think is fun and i, I like to yeah. all barely be a superhero and fail a lot because one of, one of my main fears is that they're just going to start throwing people into these roles uh, undeserved whereas we've seen people like Diggle and, and, and Roy and Oliver earn all of that stuff and, and go through this gritty path and, and, and do that and then it's like oh well, well you're a superhero and I'm yeah. glad they didn't do that I'm glad they had him fail I'm glad they have um, um, not Oliver what's his name uh, you just said it Roy no not Roy mm-hmm. uh, what's his name Right, 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 Ray, 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 Ray Palmer. Yeah, yeah, kind of weird, Ray and Roy, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad they had him kind of fall, break the suit a bunch of times, and do stuff like that. Because in a way, because then when he does succeed, you start to root for him. So, um, yeah. like, even they did a good a good scene where where Oliver was kind of controlling him, and then he had to do it on his own. I thought that was a really really well done scene. So, stuff like mm-hmm. that, I'm always down for. I'm down for the fact that they're bringing this, and they're not afraid to align it with the the comics. Because uh, if you remember early on, they they, uh, they were just sort of, how do I explain it? They were just sort of homaging the comics by having Oliver call the Speedy. Because, uh, of course, Speedy is, is the Red Arrow, is uh, Arsenal. It goes, so it's one person that goes through all those different names and then eventually becomes the Red Arrow. But uh, just having him call it Speedy was like, oh, it's sort of an homage. Then he actually did have, uh, have Roy come in. And he was Arsenal, and but he didn't go through that transition, and now they're they're honoring that and they're aligning it with the comics a lot more. So that's kind of cool to me. They even had a, a scene where in the comics it, it's called Star City, so they have Roy kind of go through this thing where he was going to rebrand Starling City as Star City, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't know if they're ever going to follow through with that. And with the Flash, mm-hmm. of course, they're just going full on. I don't know if you guys caught the end where the old school flash helmet comes through the, yeah. the, the wormhole. Yeah, that, cool. that really got me excited because there's, there's other flashes before, before Barry Allen. So uh, I don't know if they're going to go anywhere with that, but that's, that's the guy, uh, Jake Eric, I think is his, that's his helmet. So yeah. they're, they're saying, Hey, look, this show exists and, and, and stuff like that. It has happened before that. Whether they're going to go there or not, I don't put it past them. Cause they, they, they freaking did gorilla grot, which I didn't think they would, they would do. And of course, yeah. <laughs> again, that's another another instance where they had to keep everything really dark. But I was still kind of impressed with how they did it, and the fact that they even were ambitious enough to do that. Yeah, it looked as good as a Planet of the Apes movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, as far as Ray goes, like man, I did not like Ray at all. Like, Aww. oh my god! Like, it, it's not even it's it's not even his character. And it's not like he does anything wrong. It's just like I feel I felt like he was such a sore thumb. Like he it just he didn't I didn't feel like he fit into the arrow like universe. Like they I felt like they just inserted him into this very like dark, deep place and the mood is very dark and deep and then you get any scene with Roy and it's just the complete opposite. I mean that I guess it gives for variety, but man, like his he just felt like such a like an awkward part of the show that was very like forcefully put into it. 
I mean, yeah, but that's the only part of the CW mandate that I actually like. The CW mandate is there must be a love triangle. Yeah, and exactly. It it made Elicity pay off. You yeah, know? it oh. it did, but it didn't though, because I felt like it was just we all knew she wasn't going to stay with him, and it was like this. I felt it was like this long, this prolonged, like oh, is she going to choose him or is she going to choose? Oh, she obviously chose him over Oliver, and and it just prolonged this like gathering. Like it it, it obviously mm. was meant to stall until the ending. So when you have the reunion, it's so much more meaningful, and there's this sense of closure at the end. But man, I just I didn't like that whole the whole plot thing, you know, and then just even who like even for those brief moments who like Felicity was kind of turning into. I'm like, what is the show doing? I don't like this right now. Like it made me question my like Elicity thing. And I was like, this is not right. Like they need to be together already. I can't do this anymore. See that that is exactly what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to make you question the Elicity thing. Yeah, they, they achieved their goal. They just, I'm just too impatient, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> dis, dis and Ray because of Elicity for crying out loud. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, we we got our we got our wonderful, you know, riding off into the sunset scene with Yay! those two, and I was so happy. And yes, I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Where does Donald go from there? <laughs> there to me, like I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen Fast and Furious Seven, but that's the exact ending to Fast and Furious Seven. So kind of uh, I, spoilers. I like, the, the, like the week before that. Well, I don't. You don't know who's doing the driving yeah, other than whatever. Too. So, but that's literally the exact thing. And so I saw it maybe like two days before the finale, and I was just kind of like, "Hey, that's a ripoff." But um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had it. They had it written before it, it came out. But. Um, all right, so you guys have anything else on, on Arrow or Flash that you want to mention? Just excited for both shows to come back already, even though I'm kind of glad I have a break. Yeah, hey, Camille, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, at least now you're prepared for the kind of pain that the rest of us have to go through watching this thing week to week now. Yeah, it's just, it's it's awful. <laughs> it is. It's terrible. And then, And I would typically just... When I started to catch up, I'd watch Flash and then Arrow the next day, and I was like, I just need to watch those two back to back. So I would wait until the Arrow episode would come out, and then I'd watch Flash and Arrow together on the same night, just because I needed something. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited for it to come back, and that's about it. Yeah, well, the good thing about uh, the old school 22, 23 episode seasons, now you only have like three months to wait. Rather than mm. nine months to yeah. a year for with some of these cable shows that we have to wait for. True. Yeah, totally. Like it's sort of like okay. I feel like the show does thrive on being, um, like as long as it is and an hour episode because, geez, like doing some of those episodes back to back, it was just horrible. Like it felt slow as hell, or you know, it's just this kind of pacing that requires time. I I remember watching an episode of Flash. Or no, an episode of Arrow, and they were talking about how long time had been since the last episode, and I'm like, I'm like, I just watched this like not even three seconds ago, and they're talking about things that happened like two months ago. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> so, so the weekly thing is to it really does help with that continuity of of time in the show. So, it, it'll be a better, mm-hmm. I think, experience to understand what the characters are trying to convey with like real time. Because even like, I think an episode of Flash. Like, 
uh, Barry's dad was like, sounds like a Tuesday. And it was, you know, on a Tuesday when the episode aired. So it was kind of this little cute meta joke, which I will say in regards to Flash, like I think all their side characters are super awesome. And I adore Cisco so much because he's hilarious and he's such a nerd. And I'm so glad he's not dead. <laughs> that broke my heart. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Cisco has superpowers now. Yeah, apparently. I'm very excited to see what that's about, too. So Yeah, they, I'm glad they didn't kill him because he was he's like, actually one of my favorites. But they could have killed Caitlyn easily. And I wouldn't have cared mm-hmm. because if you ask me, they've done nothing to develop her character other than tell <laughs> the only thing we know about it is that she was engaged to this dude and she really loves him. Like that's her whole character. Yeah. They make her know. they make her very much in that kind of like a relationship. Like that that character, that person that's you know, is so into the relationship, like that's definitely her which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's just hard to relate to her if you're not that kind of person or or not in that type of mentality, I guess. Yeah, she's she's I, I, she's fun though when she lets loose though. I love those episodes or when she's drinking or hanging out and letting loose. Like those are great moments. So, that well, that made one. me ship them. That made me ship Barry and and Caitlin. For <laughs> you a would ship. I was them. like, I, I, I was I was like I was like oh screw Iris. I, I'll uh, give me Caitlin. I don't I don't care for the Barry Iris thing either. I don't I don't care. For oh God, either. no, me neither. <laughs> I, I don't I don't mind. I don't mind Iris as much as I mind like the obvious they're meant to be together. And I don't, I don't know if it's the writing, but I feel like the actor and actress don't have that much chemistry. And I think that's the problem. Like I think Barry or the actor himself has like great chemistry with other people on the show. Like, you know, with Felicity or even that moment when you think maybe her and, or um, Caitlin and, and and Barry have this moment you think like that could be something but like I never feel like that with Iris and I feel like it's very like very forced into the plot where like they're meant to be together and they're always going to be together in some way shape or form and like I just don't feel the chemistry between the two actors so I'm not really sure if that's like him or her but it's very lopsided I think that's a casting problem yeah definitely yeah I mean she's she's good but the together, no. I, I yeah. always want them. The brother and sister stuff is kind of cute, but to me, Iris is just too one of those one of those girls that just feel like they're too important for themselves. Like I don't know how to explain it, right? Yeah. But I, I feel like Barry's better than that. Like, yeah, I just felt my way. And when Eddie killed himself, I was like, okay, well, they're they're really going there because I was I was kind of hoping they wouldn't do it. Yeah, but, me um, too. Someone posted on Twitter. I thought this was the funniest thing. It was like, couldn't, couldn't, um, Eddie had just gotten a vasectomy rather than kill himself. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and let me just clarify by saying it, the, cat, the casting of Iris is not a problem. It's just that if, you, if you're meaning for the role to have that much chemistry with your lead, then they probably should have chose someone else. But otherwise, yeah. I agree with you guys. She's a totally great actress, so I, I don't have any problem with anything she does away from Barry. Put it yeah, way. like, like same. Like, there, I don't think, as far as, like, her performance, I think she's fine solo. But when there's this little sparkle in their eyes and they're locking <laughs> eyes and smiling, I'm like, I don't see or feel that chemistry there, you know? It's just not, not with those two actors, so it's... It's not really her. It's just you know the combination. So, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, do you guys have anything that just you two watch that you want to talk about? Well, we always have uh, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. And we'll be quick, Donald. We promise. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. Can I just say, Camille, real quick? Um, I loved the whole. Uh, I loved the whole finale until it got to the fact that we're going to Camelot. I didn't. I don't understand how. How did you figure that out? Merlin. He said, "There's a magician by the name of Merlin. That's who the the sorcerer is." Oh, I thought like they were just hinting that like. They were going to find Merlin. <laughs> like, I didn't put two and two together. You know, they've got, they've got to go to Camelot because he's, he's in a far, a place far, far away from here. Yeah. yeah. So that'll potentially mean flashbacks, which I actually enjoy, like, Once Upon a Time's flashbacks. So I'm hoping we'll get more of that. Um, this season was such a weird one. Like, every, every season is always basically, like, two seasons. You get one, the first half is you know, one theme and then the second half is another theme and the first half was frozen. And then the second half was like Maleficent's, you know, child and the darkness and Emma, but man, like I was just like, so back and forth. And then I'm glad that the writers, you know, finally took that burden off of Regina and gave it to someone else. So yeah, I'm super happy with like the route in which they're taking Regina and I'm fine. I'm just, I'm finally, I'm finally there with them. I can agree on their decisions with, with like Regina's love story and just her overall happiness. Like that's, I just want to see her happy. I don't even care if everyone's gone, (laughs) like whatever, but I'm very happy with, with Regina's like storyline. And um, as far as like the season goes, like I said, it was very back and forth. Sometimes it was good. Other times it was like, what the hell is this? But mm. yeah, what what do you uh, think about this second half of the season? Uh, well, I, to me, the second half certainly didn't live up to the first half, and I really thought I was going to hate the first half. Yeah, I, I, you and I talked about this. I, I was like, "Frozen, come on!" <laughs> and that turned out to be some of the coolest stuff that the show's ever done, Absolutely. Uh, or at least the most heartwarming. And uh, just the whole the whole going into this other thing when they started introducing the three witches. I was just kind of like, oh, man, this is just ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, I will say that I came around on the Melissifent thing. Uh, I really wasn't going to be very invested in that. And uh, they they did get me invested in that. The other two, ah, who cares, Uh, Mm -hmm. at least as far as I was concerned. But um, and and this whole thing about Emma, um, I really kind of like Lily. I hope we get to see more of Lily next season. And I guess we will. I kind of hope so, too, because she seemed... Just in general, just the type of like, I just love that kind of like whatever attitude, you know, she's ready to, she was ready to destroy worlds. And then at the same time, just like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, I, I like that kind of character involved with people who are like, so pro, you know, good guys, bad guys, justice, all that crap. And she's just kind of like this wild card, which I think is going to be interesting. Because then I think in right. turn, we'll see more Maleficent, which in general, I'd like to see a little bit more of, of that character and even that actress. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have a, a more of more of a reason to have some of the bad guys, quote unquote, to be involved and, and you know, see some of their storylines, because that's usually the most fascinating is the people who have gone through trials and tribulations and turn out bad. You know, like it's just they have so much more drama on their life. So that's always something you want to see. So. Just in general, um, hoping we see more of like Maleficent and, and her daughter. You? Oh no! 
you just said that. And now I'm just thinking, where are they going? They're going to Camelot. Who? What does Arthur? What are the legends about Arthur and about knights of the old days? They fight dragons. Yep. So there'll be tension there. <laughs> oh, they're gonna. If they kill, if they kill Maleficent or or Lily, I will be. If if they have Arthur kill Maleficent or something like that, I will be yeah. mad. I will be. Yeah, mad. that would not be. That would be pretty uh, crappy. And then, so what happened with Rumpel? Like, is he just kind of dead? Is he not? Like, I don't know what's going on with this character. Like, that was. Uh... I, I have no idea. I remember you and I tweeting back and forth a little bit earlier this year, and I was just yeah. kind of like, "So, are they going to kill Rumpel? Is that what they're going to do?" And it seems like that they've kind of put it up in the air um, about him. I don't know. He can probably still come back. Uh, but yeah. uh, puts Emma in peril naturally because you got to yeah. put Emma in peril at the end of every season. That's just what you got to do. Um, yeah. But uh, I agree with you totally about the Regina thing. Uh, the Regina thing was very satisfying. It was also cool to see Henry as the author. Yeah. Um, and what he did with it. I love that. Mm -hmm. I, and uh, the apprentice saying, you know, oh, finally, somebody who knows what to do with this pen when he broke yeah. it. I love that. It's just like, it's just like, it's such a great, like, bridge, you know, to bring Henry back into the story because he's been kind of in the background a lot. Him and Rumpel have been very much in the the background of, of this story for this the second half of the season. And I like that they brought him back in a way that was so relevant. I mean, like even in the first season, you get this sense of like Henry in the book, Henry in the stories, you know, he's so... He's so connected to it, and to make him the author, it was just so perfect, you know? Like, I didn't see it coming, but then when it happened, I was like, that's so obvious, you know? And a season's worth of writing that they just... It, I felt like it wasn't something that they completely just like, well, this is going to happen because we say so. Like, it just made so much sense in, in that lore. And I, I loved that it was just a perfect fit. It was a good good choice on, like, the writer's part. I liked that a lot. But, um... Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. And the whole Emma going dark thing should lead to interesting <laughs> things to come, especially since, you know, we've been told how bad the Charmings are in a sense. Like, this season really made me disrespect them. So, like, I was so upset with them. About the egg? Yeah. It's just how desperate people become when they want to ensure something that's, it's up to chance, you know, and it's just, I hated how they made them look so shit. Like, it was so bad. I'm like, Charming's lying to his kid, like, every other turn. And then, you know, Snow White's just going with it. Just seemed pretty messed up. To see, like, these heroes in such a such a shameful color, you know what I mean? It was definitely an interesting, interesting thing to see them in. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know where we'll go from there with, with those characters. But it seems they're on, like, they're on a redeeming force and, and a redeeming kind of path so we'll see if they'll continue that route you know yeah well this season was a lot of and i guess they've done it in the past as well with regina and stuff but this season was a lot more about showing the duality of the good characters right as opposed yeah. to the bad characters uh that we've seen you know it, they they spent the first couple of seasons making us see that sometimes the bad characters have reasons for the way they feel and whatever and this time around mm -hmm. um you you see a duality in in the good characters and I, I thought that that was kind of fun myself yeah but i i also think that um 
you can go, you, you can play that card too often. And I hope that they stop doing it now and just let everybody now, yeah, now that they've true. set everybody kind of in the center, now let them gravitate to wherever they're supposed to gravitate for good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally, totally agree there. Cause it's good to show each side of, you know, the argument and to show each side is flawed, but you know, there is no more need to like, we do not need to see that again and again, you know, right. like they've made their point very clear with this season. Like that was the whole point of it, you know, heroes and villains. It's like, it's not that simple. And I hope that they move forward from that. Cause I feel like they've been hitting that nail like for a long time. And now that they've made like the season or this half completely about that, like hopefully they'll start to let people do what they need to do now. So, right. I agree. And and that's the one thing I wonder too, like I with like this whole Camelot thing, like I'm just like wondering how much more can this show go on before it starts to be kind of like, you know, a task or boring, you know what I mean? Like Camelot sounds like terrible. <laughs> like I do not I'm excited. It totally for that. does. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the writers and give them a chance to make that world feel yeah. better. Because they, they you know, I said the same thing about Neverland, I said the same thing about Frozen. You know, and Frozen totally surprised me. So yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll have we'll just have to see. But you gotta you gotta have the feeling that there's gonna be some point where there just aren't any more storylines that they can that they can make better. Exactly. You know, so uh, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is in terms of long term. If they're just hanging on every season to let ABC say yeah, go again, or if 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 these guys have a plan, I haven't read any interviews. I, I hope they're not like Damon and, and, and Carlton saying, yeah, we've got a plan. And then, well, really, we had this plan and, and everything else in the middle was just fluff. Yeah, that's where I feel like we might be heading is the fluff. And I'm not I'm not too sure. If, like it, it just for me that always it changes the show. So by the time they come back to their end game, everyone's lost their way. People are going in totally different directions or just not grasping the concept, you know? And it's like, I don't know if the show can ever, like, I feel like the most powerful ending was that ending when Emma leaves with Henry, like that was such an emotional ending. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if they'll ever reach that again because they've gone so far off the rails that it's like, we've met so many people. We've seen so much stuff. Like none of this has as much weight as that scene. Cause everyone finally united to do the one common goal. And, like that it's been so different ever ever since that that season i feel and i don't know if we'll ever get that kind of closeness that we had with all the characters because everyone's you know regina's doing her love story now we get emma doing her love story and all these other random kind of like things playing a part in it and it's like you know at this point everyone seems to be living their happy endings like when is when does the show stop you know right well we're back donald so or we're done so you can you can uh you can wake up. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just put it on mute. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's see what we have left on the list. You guys want to do Louis? Yeah, that's you guys. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Now, Matt, you get to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, right. Your turn for a nap. <laughs> well, first of all, man, I think you should watch Louis. I don't know if you, you do watch it or you just aren't caught up. Caught up. I, I've never watched a single episode. I see you tweet about it all the time. Uh, is it a comedy? Oh, sure? I don't it's, know. <laughs> um, it's more like life. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's like, if it's a comedy, then you know how I feel about those. Because I'm such a super serious guy. 
<laughs> it's definitely they're, they're like funny it has elements. moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to say that a show written, produced, shot, and starred in by a comedian isn't a comedy. But I wouldn't classify it as a comedy. It, it, no. it, it tackles it tackles some some hard hitting stuff. I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it better. Like the the best way I've been ever able to like describe the show is it's it's life, man. Like. <laughs> Life is filled with random things. Life is filled with happiness and sadness and, you know, great moments where you triumph and then moments where you fail. And it's just like that. It's life. It's all the good, all the bad, all the in-between, all the things you deal with as, you know, a parent or as an adult or as someone just who has feelings like it's so deep (laughs) in a very non-deep way. Like, And even (laughs) there are some really deep like intense moments where like the truth is just spilled out in front of you and it's it it transcends the show you know like you things are said that apply to your life that apply to any struggle you have like it's it's relatable in the sense where it's just so raw you know like that's one word I hear a lot of people describe Louis as raw you know it's this moment it's close to what you deal with or what you have experienced in your life at one point in time so and then it's just random, like it's so random and ridiculous sometimes too. So it's like, it's literally just any and everything, <laughs> in a sense. Okay, it, what, what network's it on? That's FX, yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. It's on Netflix it right more, now. If you, if you have Netflix. Okay, I'll do it's that. Definitely more in the. It has its funny moments. It doesn't. It's not as serious as <laughs> as I'm making it sound, but like. There are, you know, really great comedy, comedy points in it. You know, it's not like it's made to be like funny all the time, but like, you know, there are definitely moments you will laugh and feel bad and feel happy and all of the above. Right yeah. on. Okay, I'm in. I'll even listen while you guys talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, come in. You want to um, lead off with any specific points? Um, for this season. All right. So just as a Going forward, I think I haven't seen like the last two to three episodes of this season, but um, thus far it's been it's been very interesting. It's it's been a lot of I mean it seems like most of the seasons have been about his kids or like you know they play a part in it, but I've been very interested in in his little love life with what is her name Pamela or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I it's so heartwarming in this weird kind of quirky way where you get this woman who's it seems like she's always trolling him and then you know this very like serious personality trying to make something more and go for something long term and and having that combative relationship kind of point of view where this one person wants to be a little more free-flowing and then Louis wants to pin it down and make it the lifelong goal and it's just interesting kind of seeing the two interact and and seeing the way that their views contradict each other, but also kind of complement each other. And, you know, the scenes where they're like going to a park or that they're at the art gallery and they have these funny little moments. It's like, it's very real, you know, like it's like, that's what it feels like sometimes, you know, when you meet something or someone who's really special, or even just when you're with a great friend of yours, like this, I love that, that kind of combative, playful way manner that they have. Like it's, it's just really 
it's adorable to watch and um definitely the series this season seems a lot more serialized but I don't know it's it's weird like it's weird to describe like how the season kind of worked out but um for me the things that have stood out the most has been like the relationship aspect um and then obviously some of the more comedic things are definitely really interesting but uh that's the thing I can think of off like just off the top of my head that really really stood out so far for this season um what about you what are you uh enjoying about what's going on yeah probably the, the only two episodes that you haven't seen is probably my favorite uh, oh yeah the, the yeah the finale is like a two-parter okay and i won't spoil anything but uh it's called like uh on the road or something where he gets on a plane and he goes for this uh sort of a, a gig out of town somewhere and they put him up hotel and stuff like that so it's, a, it's like a two-parter and i really connected with it because i i had just flown on a plane for like the first time ever in my life last weekend when i, when I went up to to meet he from twitter so um i was kind of connected with that a little bit and it was, it was kind of enjoyable I'm, I'm going through that kind of stuff um wow. but yeah i think that's probably that's probably my favorite episode but it's a shame i hadn't seen it yet as for the season in general I'm I'm a lot more on board with this season than I was last season because to me last season didn't feel it didn't feel real and I, yeah. I still to this day I, I don't know what he was trying to do with that season. <laughs> yeah, was, it was, was very fully, out there. Yeah, I was fully expecting him to just wake up at the end and it'll all be a dream or he was in a coma or something because nothing made sense. It and felt like a dream was, the whole season, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And nothing 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 made sense. Nothing felt grounded in reality. There's a lot of weird stuff he was doing, but I guess that's one of the downfalls to someone giving you complete creative control over something. Is that yeah. sometimes you just you just do stuff that's in your mind, and nobody, there's no one on the network to say, "Hey, kind of make this make a little more sense." <laughs> so, um, in, in a way, you get you get really deep stuff and really awful things, but and also at the same time, you get you get to see inside someone else's head, like without anyone telling you or anyone telling them not to do something. So kind of kind of fun at the same time but it's also really really confusing yeah like um, there was like a few things with his kids this season it wasn't as much i don't think i don't remember as too much of the the storyline with the kids yeah did you see the sleepover episode yet the which one there's a sleepover with the kids i don't think so i'm not sure the episode right before the finale the finale okay but um, yeah, the, he has a sleepover with his his kids and all their friends. So it's like a bunch of girls. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, and there's another episode. I mean, and and I think um, his quote unquote girlfriend appears in that episode because I don't I don't know what's going on with that. It seems like they break up and then she doesn't want something and maybe she does, but she doesn't know how to express it. Yeah, and like she's just a, reluctant. Yeah, yeah, and he's just a sap. He wants a, a full relationship and everything. And you know, um. One of the things, I think if Matt's still listening, I could probably bring him in on this. I'm here. But um, one of the things about me, where as of now, I'm, I'm a single guy. And one of my, my biggest fears and one of the things that I always hoped would happen, one and the same, is that I would just be in, in my late 30s, early 40s, late 40s, and just be single. And it's one of the things that I was always kind of scared of, but it's one of the things that I, when I look around and see other people in relationships, I'm thinking maybe that's not so bad. Maybe that's maybe that's what I should shoot for. 
And uh, Matt, I don't know if you're still single or if you're you're in any kind of relationship. I don't want to pry into into your life, but uh, how do you feel about just that sort of angle of, of just being a single guy? Oh well, uh, I am 45 and I am single, and I don't really have any like kind of permanent relationship. I do have kind of a, a couple of friendships, but given what I do, and I don't know what I mean. What is Louis in the show? Is he is he a traveling guy? I mean, yeah, he's a comedian. He play he for the most part he plays himself. He's a traveling yeah. he, like he's a comedian. He's uh, in New York, but he's on the road a lot because that's just sort of what they do wherever they can get a gig. Uh, so yeah. he moves around a lot. Yeah, well, that, then it makes perfect sense if he is single uh, that he would uh, be that way. Uh, I can totally identify with that. Maybe I should watch this show uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, um, I. I I have to say that I have no regrets, Donald, but that's just me. You know, I mean, I sometimes feel like that I'm the exception to the rule, but maybe you are too, it sounds like. Um, (laughs) And that doesn't mean don't have relationships along the way. I've had my share, but I I feel personally like, you know, um, it's not about freedom or or anything like that. Um, For me, (laughs) I'll admit this with you guys, for me, it's the fear of responsibility to somebody else uh, yeah. is the main reason why I stay single. Uh, I don't feel like a very responsible person in terms of uh, when I'm in a relationship. So uh, I feel like I'm yeah. doing the world a service by not be, by not being engaged with somebody <laughs> or married to somebody or, you know, by remaining just kind of casually friendly with people. Yeah. Uh, and and Camille, I'll let you speak in a second, but that's one of the things that I think is, is one of the things that I welcome about, about the, the sort of how the, the the shape that the world is in now is that maybe 20 years ago it was all about hey look this is life you get a job you find somebody you marry them and you have kids that's what you're supposed to do and I don't feel like there's that much pressure nowadays for people to be aligned into that sort of future like I don't feel like if you don't do that then you failed as a human whereas you know growing up that was sort of like the goal or even with our parents, uh, that sort of, I feel like that's sort of the pressure that was put on them. Like, this is what you have to do. Otherwise your life is pointless. But nowadays mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little more, it's a little more open. And that's one of the things I, I sort of feel with because for the, for the most part with like social things and, and various things, I feel like I, I tend to be a little more conservative with, with, uh, with my um, ideas. But with that, I like, I like the idea that, you don't have to get married to be considered a successful person. Oh yeah. You should never be married. I, I, you know, I, and I understand totally where you're coming from. Cause I came from even, you know, 10 years before you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the late, I guess I was born in 69. So the seventies was, was still, you know, you had a, a, a baby boom generation that was raising kids. Right. And all they had done since the war, since world war two was, more or less make babies. So it's like, um, uh, that became a a prominent thing, but I don't think anybody should feel the need to, to be in a permanent relationship if, uh, or even have kids. I mean, there's plenty of people out there to keep the species procreated. We don't, we don't need to worry about that. And yeah, exactly. So maybe I'm doing the world, the whole world a service by just keeping my ugly face hid a little bit. Got it. <laughs> wow. 
no me hard on stuff like that. Come in, I'm interested to hear what you, from a female perspective, and of course you are engaged, and uh, we'd like to know more about that. Well, I'm not engaged, not <laughs> not yet, I don't think. I mean, if I'm engaged, I definitely don't know about it. Um, as far as, like, relationships and, you know, having a family and that being the goal, I mean, it's just, it goes with the times. I mean, back then, there was a whole lot of, it was a whole lot of a family oriented kind of upbringing. And even still, that does exist in our world. And it is a big part of our culture. But I think it's just, we live in a very advanced world. We have things that connect us with people we never see. I mean, it's, we require less interactions with people and more of just like, like face to face interactions with people and more of like this, like, text messaging or sending tweets or mm. connecting with people on Snapchat. I mean, like, it's just weird. You can connect with people all over the world without having to ever travel and never having to do anything more than just a simple text message or, you know, it's, it's incredible the life we live and it's that comes with like the, the type of traditions we develop. And, you know, I don't, I, from, from my perspective, I don't think that being successful has anything to do with, who you're with it's what you're doing with your life i mean mm -hmm. our generation grew up with go to school go to college and that's been a big part of how we were brought up and now that that's kind of what our generation's doing you know we're out working we're out trying to further our own personal careers you know get more get more in touch with our our own lives you know like at least that's like where i'm at you know it's like if if a relationship can be then you know, then it, it'll happen. If not, there we have the rest of our lives to find someone. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world to be in a situation where you're a little bit older and you're single. You know, it's just that's the life you chose to do. You, in a sense, like <laughs> you chose to do you, and that's exactly <laughs> that that's your thing, and that's totally okay. You know, like I don't I don't think that marriage is at an early age and the family thing really helps our own personal status, you know, there's a lot more of a struggle that comes with it. There's a lot more of double tasking, having to kind of half-ass stuff because you have a family to take care of, you have a husband to, you know, take care of. It's just this, this weird kind of mentality of like family equals success. And I feel like our generation at least doesn't, we don't have that mentality at all just because the world is filled with options and we can easily grasp something, you know, like we have people on Twitch becoming, you know, like <laughs> that's how they make their money is just playing video games or talking about stuff on the internet. It's like at this point, like relationships is kind of like on the fourth or fifth, like priority list, you know, it's, it's not necessarily something that has to be there. And I think that's definitely a part of the collision with the younger generation versus the older generations is there's this, this broken bridge, you know, there's no gap or lead way to, you know, you have to be married and successful. You have to have a good career. It's just they're one or the other. And some people can do both. Some people don't want to do both. I mean, it's just all preference. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like I'm just, as far as, like, where I'm at, like, just want to get good at my, at my craft. I want to keep doing the things that I enjoy. And, you know, if I have something, something or someone awesome, that's awesome. And if not, then it'll come, you know, it's not like, it's not something I need to fill my, to make my life worthwhile, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a nice plus, but it is not, like, needed. 
I guess that's the best way to put it for like my my standpoint in life. Wow, deep thoughts by Donald and Camille. Wow, <laughs> and, and I mean, as it all, it all stems from Louis. Like that's what we were talking about. But that's how deep yeah. the show is. Wow, wow, yeah. Well, as the old goat, let me just tell you, you young whippersnappers are young. You two should just get <laughs> married right now. <laughs> no, no. no. It, it's amazing how those, that show Louis can make you think about some things, even even if that isn't his intentions but just watching someone go through it and no doubt yeah. he pulls that stuff from his life or stuff that has happened to him before and it's just it's just really interesting that trust me why you should watch it i'll give it a shot uh, you've never you've never really failed me on shows when you've recommended something i was really into penny dreadful after you got me into it oh, and yeah. uh and uh oh you got me into supernatural too i love that show too it is true i don't think i've ever watched a show that either of you guys recommended so far that was like no good so i trust you guys <laughs> <laughs> well we can use that as a jumping point to uh to, matt you can either we can either go to supernatural or penny dreadful which would you prefer you haven't really chosen anything so your choice yeah, yeah that was the point i was trying to throw it all off for you guys um <laughs> well since i actually enjoyed supernatural this season we can talk about that how about that sure sure i i think that Man, I, I mean, for me, uh, Carver has finally put the show back in the vein of the Kripke era for me. It took him a while. I didn't like season eight nearly all as much, and, and season nine was okay. It was getting better. Uh, this last season, even though the Mark of Cain thing kind of fizzled out for me, uh, I feel like now he's put, you know, with the ending here, he he's really put it in the context to make Supernatural huge again, uh, like the way we're in we were invested in seasons four and five. I don't know. What do you think? I agree, and I, I didn't mind the market change so much. I just felt like they they didn't need to scratch it out for the whole season. Right. So that that was that was my only thing is that it was fun whenever whenever it was controlling him and making him do these things. But I felt like. As far as what it did for him, it was real inconsistent. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was just fine. Like when when the plot calls for him to be fine, it didn't bother him. Or right. we didn't see it or, or something like that. But when it whenever it was doing its thing, like it, it got us to some really dark moments with with Dean, which I was. When you have a uh, a show like that that just focuses on two guys mostly, even just two people, like with the X Files too, you sort of you sort of get to a point where you put them in peril, you don't care anymore. Like you know they're not going to die. Like, right. These are the, these are two main stars, so you have to figure out different things to do with them. And making making Dean a villain was just brilliant to me. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed that. But even even though I enjoyed the finale, Matt, I still don't understand what what was the final play there with uh, the Grim Reaper. Like I thought that Dean was was just fully controlled by the Mark at that point, but then it seemed like it was a double cross. Like, did you understand it? Here's the way I read it. It, it was that he he was going to go through with it as far as Sam goes until Sam brought out that picture of his mom, and that kind of revived him. Um, I, I feel like that that changed his mind in the very last second. I, I feel like that that axe or that sickle was swinging for for him definitely uh, mm-hmm. until you know the very last second, and he kind of pulled up, and then he turned around and accidentally got death. Which I don't know what that means. Can you kill death with his own with his own scythe? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it seemed like he disintegrated, and I was starting to think that maybe somebody 
that we know, like maybe Bobby would become death next year or something like that. It, it, it got me thinking. Because um, they did play around. They played around with Bobby this year, and they sort of left him in a position where we didn't really know what was about to happen. Yeah, so, no kidding, um, man. That was weird. Yeah. What did you think about that? Because I'm still, I'm still on the floor that they killed Bobby, and they let him. They they kept him dead for this long. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, well, I, and and now they've killed Charlie, and it's yeah. like so. So I, obviously, that doesn't mean that we'll never see Charlie again or anything like that. Because we've seen Bobby a number of times, and there's no way you're going to keep Felicia Day out of the show. Uh, as popular as she is in that show. So I'm not worried about not seeing Charlie again, but it would be cool to have Bobby become death and then maybe have Charlie do some of the Bobby appearances. That would be cool. I would like that. Yeah, one thing about this show, I think I tweeted it when it happened, when they killed her. It's like Supernatural just forever kills secondary characters that we love. Yeah. They just they love doing it. And we still haven't seen Joe since then. I would like her to make another appearance. Uh, was Joe the mom or the daughter? I can't I think remember. it was a daughter. I think she was the oh, daughter. Oh, the blonde. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like the first yeah. sort of female character that we had introduced. Yeah, but she got so much hate from the female fandom early on that I don't know if they'll ever bring her back. It's kind of like what they did with Amelia in season eight. It's like uh-huh. all, of, all of the female fandom hated Amelia, so they basically wrote her out of the show with no explanation at all. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of feel like, you know, even though they brought Joe and her mom back, uh, for that, that, what was it? A se- I can't remember if it was a season four or season five episode where they ended up, uh, killing the, the hellhounds together. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I almost kind of feel like, um, that maybe Carver is still adhering to, to, to some of that old criticism. Cause it's so funny. <laughs> this is what I love about the supernatural fandom. It's like, they rail and rail and rail and rail on a character, uh, and then they get mad for the guys killing them off. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the fandom of this show is so weird, man. I tell yeah. You, it's like anybody that, that, that threads to be a love interest to any of those, those guys, like they, the fandom hates them. Like you just jump on them. Like they, they want them to be like just brothers and single and just doing their thing. Anybody else that comes in is like, no, no, I hate him. It's so weird. But they, I guess that's, I started thinking that that's why they made Charlie gay. Uh Uh-huh. Because she wouldn't be a threat in that way, but she would still be a female presence to the show, which I think is sorely needed at times. Right. But then they kill her. So I'm like, what's going on? I know. (laughs) Well, yeah. What it, what it, you know, I guess what it boiled down to is the thing is, is that you can never kill the guys. You can never kill the guys and make anybody believe that they're going to stay dead. Right. Yeah. yeah so exactly. uh, and like you said, that's why they kill off so many of these secondary characters that we love is because they got to find a way to hurt us in some way. And, and, and it's it's kind of cheap, but it works every single time. Here we are griping yeah. about it. <laughs> Uh, here's, here's another thing too. I kind of like I like Crowley, and I feel like they played around with killing him off. But at the same time, I don't think they could ever do that because he is such a a popular character now. But do you like what they did with Crowley as far as sort of neutering him throughout most of the season and then making him a, uh, sort of a badass again? Well, I like that they made him a badass again because I was really tired of him being. His every single scene that he had almost all season was just a gag and not even a yeah. good gag at that, you know. And I was like, man, you got Mark Shepard playing his role. 
The guy's a fantastic actor. I love him to death. I love the character of Crowley when he was badass. And you're just wasting screen time with him right now. That's all you're doing is wasting screen time and making a gag. And uh, so now that he's back and he's kind of bad, uh, kind of badass, I like it. But where the the finale left off, I mean, what's going to happen there with a rabid cast and and him being froze? (laughs) See, that's the other thing, though, is because of Crowley... The one thing that the one good thing that we did get out of all of it was Rowena. I love Rowena. I think she's so cool uh, and yeah. cute and adorable and sassy and dangerous. And um, I just absolutely love her. I can't wait to see uh, what she does next season. Yeah, one of the interesting things with her was that I could never gauge how powerful she was. And then at the end, when she had the little hex bag and it didn't work on Crowley, and Crowley showed us how powerful he was. To me, that changed the stakes a lot. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, is, you know, isn't Rowena even that powerful? Even though she is really awesome, I didn't, I didn't dig the whole year. My son, but I hate you, and uh, I'm kind of glad that that's over. I'd rather than be enemies, right? And I just have a different art. But yeah, those two together was kind of because I was like, why are, why are you even in each other's company? Like it didn't make much sense to me, and um, for them even be around each other for that long, right? But now she's sort of a, a free agent now. She's roaming around. What's going to happen with her? And Crowley, you know, I'm glad you reminded me of that scene because I forgot that they, that's how they left it. So, because uh, I was going to ask you, how did you feel about Cass this season? Who he he didn't seem to have a real arc. He was just kind of floating around. Yeah, he was just insert Cass here to give Misha the the uh, the sh- cast credit. It's kind of like what he was. <laughs> um, and hopefully, see, here's what I'm hoping though. What this whole ending of this season means is that you're going to have this this bit where you got to have I and this is just fanficking I will admit or speculation but I'm hoping that what it means is that this is like the biggest thing since the apocalypse if not bigger than the apocalypse since it had to be eliminated before yeah. the world started so what I'm hoping is that you have to have this alliance of of angels and demons and hunters all working on the same side against this thing I think that would be a super cool kind of arc for the first half of the season. Yeah, because I, I feel like since the whole angel thing, they haven't really known what to do with them. Yeah. When, they, when they were first being being introduced, it was like this big thing, like angels. And I was like, oh, here we go. And then they started just kind of hanging around since then. And, really, and then even the demons, like for the most part, the demons used to be a real big thing in the show where they would inhabit a body and they would have to go through this big ritual to, to exercise the demon and now they just kill them. Like they don't even care. So uh, having everybody realign against this sort of bigger force, which I guess it, it really reminded me of the whole Buffy, the first evil thing. Ooh, yeah. And that's that's the, that's the vibe I got from there. Like this is the first evil before all the, all other evil. So to have a, an alliance where you would give the angels a purpose, sort of bring the demons back into the forefront and, and, and have the sort of the Winchesters who seemingly got swallowed up by all that stuff. I don't know where they're going to leave that, but to have this sort of be like what I thought season five was going to be, where like this was the final season, everything in the plans was that this was going to be the final season, and it was all leading up to this big, big battle, and you didn't know if anyone was going to survive. Like, I feel like that's going to be next season, but yeah. at the same time, I feel like they got renewed for season 12, too, did they not? Oh, man, I, I know that uh, the president of CW said, basically gave him a carte blanche and says, we'll keep the show on as long as the guys want to keep doing it. Wow. Um, so 
what that really means is this is probably going to be up to Carver and uh, Ackles and, and uh, Padalecki as to how far they want to go. And it, it could be good if there's a 12th season, you know, if they say, yeah, we'll, we'll try a 12th season as long as the ratings hold also. See, here's the thing that, that I worry about is that, you know, you have the pre- the president of CW saying these kind of things like we love the show. We're going to keep the show on as long as the guys want to do it, as long as the ratings hold up. Well, what happens when the ratings don't hold up, you know, and are they going to have to cut short a storyline that they that that Jensen and Jared had said, yeah, we'll do two more seasons, you know, and so they have this yeah. big darkness arc planned for two seasons. And then all of a sudden they have to they have to wrap it up in January of 2016. You know that would suck. Yeah, I, I, just, I'm just, I'm trying not to dwell on that too much. I'm just really impressed with the fact that they, in in a tenth season of a show, they managed to throw together. I wouldn't even say throw together. They managed to write something that kept me interested the whole time when they haven't been able to do that for maybe the last three years. Let me ask you something about this and this kind of approach that Carver is starting to take in terms of taking public domain material like. The, the Wizard of Oz and the Frankenstein's, the Mary Shelley story, and bringing yeah. them in as kind of like the, the uh, kind of the new urban legend. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the original show used to focus on urban legends all the time, uh, and then I guess they yeah. ran out of them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now, now Carver's kind of taken like the Oz storyline and, and this, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're literally making these stories into kind of the new urban legend in the way that, uh, Oh, they do exist. I mean, how do you feel about that? Cause I, when it got to that shot of, uh, I'll call him stumpy Stein, the guy that got his arm, that ripped his own arm off and then got a new one sewed on. When I saw that stitching, I was just like, Oh, come on guys. You don't have to hit me over the head with that. You know, I, I, I know that it's Frankenstein, you know, I get, I get it. I get it. But how do you, how do you feel about them doing that? Cause I've heard reaction from fans uh, very polar opposite. Some people love it. Some people don't. Well, here's the thing: it's hit or miss with me. Like uh, the Ruffle, not the Ruffle, uh, um, the Hefel and Gretel story. It was kind of cool to me from a character standpoint because Dean got to be young, and that was fun. And mm. the um, the lady got to sort of be young again and start her life over again. That stuff was really compelling to me. But with the witch and and Gretel that sort of fell flat because I, I was sort of thinking, well, it's not like it, these are the, like the legendary Hansel and Gretel and the witch. And they sort of made them not that important. Like mm. they just really easily be defeated. So for me, that was kind of weird with uh, the wizard of Oz thing. I think that worked on, on some levels because it sort of furthered the legend. But then um, I think they brought him back when they brought him back this year. And it sort of made, made him seem like, well, he wasn't that big of a threat. They just kind of, you know, got rid of him. Yeah. So to me, that was that was kind of weird, too. But I think when, when they introduced it last, or was, maybe it was at the beginning of this year when, they, when he was first, when the whole um, idea of Oz was first introduced. No, was it this year? It, it, was, it was last year. Remember, Charlie actually went to Oz uh, with yeah. Dorothy to fight the war. So... Yeah, but they, yeah, but then they did come back when Charlie came back this year. Then they had to find him and uh, eliminate the darkness side from Charlie. So yeah, yeah, that to me, see, to me, it's, it's, it's so hit or miss because it also ends up making the legends not that big a deal. Like they don't they play it up as just another little standalone story, but uh, the implications are sort of bigger for our, our characters and people that we know. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 
Like, I, I don't mind the idea because it's something that even Buffy would do. Uh, Buffy and Angel used to do that stuff, too. Yeah. And um, it sounds like, from, from what I can hear about you guys talking about Once Upon a Time, sounds like that's sort of what they do. They just kind of pull the popular characters into the, that story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, you know, Once Upon a Time's about actually these the characters from these stories actually being real and, and living on in our world, more or less. But okay, uh, and really, like you said, supernatural kind of implies the same thing that those places are real, you know, and that you know you can go in between them, uh, so they they exist. So I guess I, it is kind of the same thing. But the whole Stein thing that just I don't know. I I, I didn't you know it just it did it didn't really work for me. That that's all I'll say. Um, I did like it to give Dean an opportunity to become real badass at the end of the season, but other than that, it it didn't serve. Yeah, it's kind of didn't really serve a purpose. And I don't know if it's over or not. I don't know if there's if there's some of them still around or not. Yeah, it sort of made it seem like it was just this family, but I didn't understand like because the original Frankenstein is like it's just this guy who who made a creature, but it's like they were adding things to themselves to make them like superhuman. I didn't understand exactly how that worked just from it being the bloodline. Like, why can't anyone do that then? Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, I guess the implication from, from the story this year was that, you know, it had actually been happening for thousands of years, which makes no sense because how did anybody know how to put two hearts in a body? Uh, even back in Mary Shelley's time, but then Mary Shelley discovered it and wrote a book about it. Uh, but that was the implication that I got that they'd been doing it for a long time. And they, you know, having the book of the dam be part of it makes it, I guess a lot more in essence that it could be possible that it'd be thousands of years since, uh, the magic might be tied to it more so than, than the, uh, the physical surgery, but it, you're right. You know, it's like, it's not like any, transplant doctor uh couldn't find a way to do the exact same thing for somebody else if they're able to do it right because they've been working without the book for a hundred years or they're looking for the book when charlie has it yeah yeah that, that was kind of weird they, they didn't really possess the book right um, but i don't know but um what do you think about having the whole entire season build up for the mark and then it's just removed just like that well, you knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I you mean, did. you did. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that uh, um, yeah, I guess what you have to ask is, was the buildup good enough for the emotional payoff? And for me, it was. I, the, the, the Sam Dean scene was one of the best Sam Dean scenes, uh, I think, of the whole series. Um, not as good as the swan song thing where Lucifer is, is beating Dean to death, you know. And then goes yeah. and jumps in, and then Sam takes control and jumps in the pit. But almost as good, almost as good. So um, yeah. that the emotional payoff was fine. Uh, Story wise, uh, like you said, it was so inconsistent throughout the series that I really didn't give it much thought, except during the episode with Kane, and uh, uh, and at the very end. Yeah, uh, I like the Kane stuff, and I'm, and I, I like them more. I was actually I was kind of hoping that Dean would find a way to control it and just kind of make himself just this, this strong guy who just had a dark part to him that he just had to deal with. Sort of like uh, Angel, where Angel had this demon in him. Right. And sometimes it was surface, but he, for the most part, he could he could control it and become a, like a better man. But I guess they want the brothers to be normal humans. 
which is super fighting abilities, I guess. It's just super smart. But, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I like the mark. Yeah, especially now, because now they're up against something that is just totally huge, right? So you got to strip any kind of power that they had before away from them to make the, the whatever's happening to them in the car even more perilous, right? Yes. Yes. And then we don't even know what that is. Like, is this just something that's going to consume the earth? Is it going to possess people? Is it going to have some kind of embodiment? Like, is it going to appear to them as someone that they can physically fight? Like, the... To me, the possibilities are just endless at this point. I think they did a good job. Even if they don't have anything in mind, they did a good job leaving themselves opportunity to do almost anything. Yeah, it's a completely blank slate now. They can do whatever they want. It's great. Yeah, and, and I, I don't doubt that we'll see that we won't see Metatron next year, too. He's <laughs> like a fun, fun person. But... <laughs> Metadouche! That dude. Poor, that poor He's guy. Born. I, I love that character, and so many people just hate him, and I, I just love him. But, again, that's my attachment to, like, the old, uh, what was it, Revenge of the Nerds or whatever, when he did the movie, uh-huh. when he played Booger or whatever. Uh, you know, I love those movies, those bad, bad B movies, more or less, as a kid. And so uh, <laughs> I just love that. I love that actor. But everybody hates him, and that's great. Uh, you know, you're supposed to hate him, but I, I still uh-huh. I, I love him. I love him. Yeah, because you still you still don't know quite know how powerful he is. Because you know? he's always been neutered and stripped down whenever they brought him back since they uh, like arrested him or whatever. Right now, is his grace completely gone? I mean, did Cass strip all of his grace from him with that thing in the library, or or is he? Yeah, I I don't know if that was a temporary spell or not. That's that's I didn't really understand. Yeah, me either. I didn't I didn't quite get the gist of how permanent it is. So I'm sure you know. Here's a guy that that has known all about the, uh, the he's been transcribing the word of God since the beginning of, well, since uh, at least since the darkness was last in the world. So uh, he's got to know a trick or two. I'm sure he'll find a way to get his grace back or he'll find another angel and kill it and get his grace back that way or get some yeah, grace they, back. They, they've always seemed to find a way to give Cass more grace or take his grace away. Or, so. <laughs> Yeah, they they can write it in however they want it to happen. Right. But uh, here's one of the things I'm excited for is that now you have a lot of these major players. You have Rowena out there. You have Cass, who I guess has always great. He's a full angel now. You have uh, Crowley. Don't know how he's going to get out of that. I mean, you have uh, you have Sam and Dean, who are always you know big players. You have this uh, first evil, which we don't know what that is, and potentially you have Metatron, who. Even if he isn't strong, he his brain is probably just as uh, powerful enough to, to make anything happen. So I like the idea that you have all these corners and it's going to come together. <clears throat> yeah, and you're going to have, you know, it, it, with, like you said with Crowley, if he gets out of this, you're going to have one pissed off Crowley. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. We'll have to see how it all plays. Yeah, so uh, I guess it's Camille's. Is she still there? You want to come back in? Yes, I'm here. Okay. So I guess, Camille, you're back. So do you want to do the Game of Thrones talk? Yeah, let's do a quick little rundown, or at least what we think about this season so far. Um, This is how how we'll do it. I'll let let you start, Camille. Matt, if there's anything that that you want to respond to from what you've seen, then uh, you're welcome to do that. Or if you just want to tell... I'll get your thoughts about out there about what what finally just drove you to stop watching the show. Then I'll let you do that right after Camille finishes. Sure, go ahead. 
Okay. Um, so as far as the the season goes, honestly, it's just it's really slow. Um, I know a few things are going to happen, so I'm waiting for those because I totally spoiled myself. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a lot of slow build. I, the only thing that's really kept me um, interested in the season thus far is like Arya's story and. Um, I'm just waiting for things to happen in King's Landing. Like everything else is just super boring. I feel like the kind of the kind of uh, like power surge going on with um, like the Night's Watch stuff is it's interesting. But I mean, Jon Snow is he's a leader now, but he's gonna be gone, you know, to go save the Wildlings or whatever. And it's like. It's it, it, there's no real execution of power that we'll see because he's going to be away. And just everything else is just it's slow. I don't really care about or just not really a fan of. Um, maybe maybe some of the Sansa storyline now that she's back home, but they haven't really capitalized on her knowing that she has people willing to do stuff for her and her family. And, you know, she hasn't done anything to really, like, actively get get the help she can probably get and it seems now that she tried it's a little too late but i don't know it's it's very slow and overall i'm just kind of like whatever about this this season so yeah. yeah okay well camille in response to that let me just tell you that we did the tandem read of books four and five on podcast winterfell during the hiatus this last year and baba's biggest complaint uh, because when you put those two books together, it's just like one big book because they split the characters up uh, between the two books. Mm-hmm. And Bubba's biggest complaint is this this tandem read is all built up slowly yeah. and no real payoff. Um, so uh, I can definitely understand where your frustration comes from because from what I've seen up to episode six was very much that way. Mm-hmm. Now, Donald asked me to address why I don't watch the show anymore. Uh, And the reason, and Camille, you and I talked about this before we started recording, before we got Donald on here, but the reason why I stopped watching uh, had nothing to do with the level of violence, with whether uh, certain characters were being placed in storylines that I didn't agree with, or anything like that. I honestly feel like that Dave and Dan take opportunities to make scenes ambiguous that don't have to be ambiguous. And I'm talking about the signs of rape scene, which to me will always be rape. Uh, I know some people will disagree with me. And that was my point. There shouldn't have been any reason to disagree about that scene. There shouldn't have been anything to make it where uh, it's even debatable, Mm -hmm. but instead they gave the scene just enough wiggle room where people could take opposing views onto whether it was rape or not. And that's not what the scene should have been about at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and that frustrated me to the point because I felt like it was the first time uh, that they'd place something like that at the end of this episode just to sensationalize the debate rather than the story. And that's why uh, I ended up saying, that's enough. You know, I know what it was in the books, and I would have been perfectly fine to see that on the show. But there's no way I'm going to let Dave and Dan dictate me having to argue with people one way on one side or the other about a scene um, just for the sake of argument and to help generate more buzz 
about yep. the show because there are people like you out there who say, well, this season's kind of slow and I'm not really all that interested. So, uh, you know, and I think that even back when they were sketching this season out, they thought, well, what can we do to make uh, this stuff where there are certain characters that in the books you may not even care about as much where this stuff happens to. Uh, how can we make it more dramatic for television? That's fine. Uh, but then in choosing the way that they did to deliver that information uh, was the last straw for me. So, uh, and Donald, I know you've got a viewpoint on this, and I totally respect your opinion. I, I, do not, uh, I do not think that you are wrong to have your opinion at all. Let me just make sure that I say that. Um, uh, you and I have argued about what it was and what it wasn't, and I think that's exactly what the showrunners run wanted us to do. So they achieved their goal, but I don't agree with them having that as a goal. So that's why I quit the show. Mm. No, that's, yeah, that's I, perfectly fine. I, yeah. I always, um, it, it was never of, um, it was never a matter of, of uh, how can I say that Matt was wrong? Because like, like, like what I, what I was said, um, we did a, we did our first little initial reaction, and we actually initially reacted to Matt quitting. So it, it started, it started became his own sort of uh, reaction. <laughs> oh God! So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Matt ever had a chance to listen to that, but but we uh, we tried to be as respectful as possible because. Like I said in that show, one thing I can I can respect is that someone controlling their own destiny. You can't control what the show did. You can't control what they write. But you can mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to be a part of it. So yeah, exactly. uh, much much respect to anybody who, who said that. And I was never out to, um, of course, I'm going bust, to bust his chops a little bit for doing it. But I was never out <laughs> to, to try and disrespect him in any way. Right. But, um, right. Yeah, it's probably it's become a running, a running gag on, on our, um, our initial reaction. Oh, good. Like, uh, I think, I think he's, he's, I think he used to say, oh, I'm quitting the show or something, um, like if something happens. But, but yeah, just, just to make it, make it not so serious and not, not, not destroy our lives over it, but at the same time, show a little respect. But that's just how, how we do. But, um, Camille, I, I, I want to address some of the things that you said. And, uh, the show has been very, very slow this year. And, and I can, I can name a couple of reasons why I think that's true. That's so. One, like Matt said, the, the source material probably isn't as strong as it was the first three books. Mm -hmm. So they're they're sort of they're sort of dipping from a well a well of, of material that probably isn't as action packed or, or or strong as uh, and of course that's an arguable point as well. But I, I personally believe that the source material isn't that strong. Two, they they are sort of taking a little more leeway in in what they want to add into the show, and I think. More often than not, as much as I hate to say this, more often than not, whenever they decide to add something in the show that's from their their from from their own mind, it's weaker than than if they pulled it straight from the source material. And mm -hmm. uh, Dorn is probably the best example of that because everything in Dorn this year has either not made sense, been real cartoony, or just not been good. So I think that that that's a lot of weakness too, especially from the the last season in Dorn. The fast snake and the stripping and the, the stuff it just didn't make sense to me. What was going on there? And Matt, I know you don't watch the show anymore, but we actually—I um, I wasn't in the last initial reaction show because I was in in Hollywood with Heath, uh, meeting movie stars and stuff like that. So, right on. Uh, some people actually, actually, on um, I think they there was some. How do I say this? There was some little more leaning in in your direction, uh, from opinion wise, in the last initial reaction because. There was another scene with Sansa, and Ooh. to me, to me, I think it made everything really clear. 
and, and I think that that scene that they, that they did in the newest episode uh, sort of made me, I, I would agree that that scene was, it, it made it very clear what was going on. And it, to me, that, was, that scene was a little more troubling than the same the, the episode before that. So ah. I think that they, they, they made everything very clear, and I thought that was very, really, really disturbing. But it was just, like you said, it's just, it's their, their choices of ways to edit things, ways to put it in the show that make people feel certain ways. And, and that's just the point that I can't argue with. I don't think anyone can argue with. It's just the way they choose to do it is just kind of weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, so Camille, I'll say this about the season. Me and Matt probably all can already predict how everyone's story's going to end by the end. And I feel like that they did way more setup. Like the, the first six, seven episodes are all set up. And now, now I think it's really going to, they're going to start firing off on all cylinders. So you might enjoy these last three episodes more than you did the first seven. Yeah. I mean, they, they obviously ended on a high note with, you know, locking Cersei up, but I mean, there's oh. three episodes left with so many storylines going on. It's, it's only going to be a small instant. It's it's going to be a small gratification or, you know, a small, like, yeah. cool. That was awesome. Or whatever, you know, it's just, it's the name of the game with, how many episodes they get each each season so it's just it's all waiting game you know i mean for the most part every time they have had a slow episode or a slow first half of the season there's always that build up that eventually leads to the grand finale so to speak so mm-hmm. you know for me it's always the second to last episode that seems to be like a wall so i'm hoping that something crazy happens within the next two cuz Usually the last episode is the trail out to the end of the season and or the next season. So, you know, it's just it's all it's all about just kind of patiently waiting for those episodes. So hoping tonight's a, a good one. But I mean, just overall, it's it's been slow. And, you know, I can totally agree with with Matt's point of view on the, the whole, you know, was it rape or was it not? It's it shouldn't even whether or not you're here watching the show and you're complaining about it being one thing or the other, it's kind of irrelevant if you're still here and watching the show and you're against it. I mean, it's, it's just the nature of, of this story of the times they're trying to replicate. It's, it's not something that's pretty, but they're trying to, you know, write a, a, about a time that we don't live in anymore. And in terms of the ambi- ambiguity, I totally agree with Matt. Like it should not ever be a question of whether it is or it isn't, you know? And I think that was like the controversy behind like the scene with Cersei and Jamie after mm-hmm. um after their son died, you know, it it should never be a question of that. Like if it's gonna right. be it, then be it, you know? Right. If not, it's just like to be such a bold show and to have things like that, like in the gray areas is kind of like you've come too far, you've already stepped over that line to play the, you know, what if game. Like you're either gonna go there or not. Yeah. I I do think it's a shitty way to kind of portray a, a situation for the sake of, oh, we created drama, not in the show, but with the fans and the creators. And it just causes a tension. I mean, a lot of people stepped away from the show because of the scene. And it seems a lot of it was because it was Sansa. And, and it's like, well, if you read the books, then you weren't pissed that that happened to another character. But the fact that it's Sansa, right. it's just, it's a weird controversy to even get into. But yeah, more or less, like I... I'm a hundred percent behind Matt in the sense of like they should choose one or the other instead of playing 
the game of like was it or wasn't it like that's not appealing at all not with right. not with a show that ha- doesn't really doesn't really hold back so it's just kind right. of it's weird to me that they would do that now and i was more than willing to give them a pass on the jamie and cersei thing simply because it was the first time that they'd ever made anything like that really ambiguous you know what i'm yeah. saying you know, so it's like, okay, they made a mistake. And, it, you know, there were reports about, oh, it was an editing mistake or whatever. You know, the showrunners intended it this way, but you just read it wrong. And I was just kind of like, okay, that's fine. Uh, but this one just felt way too intentional to me. Uh, and yeah, and maybe that's just my own paranoid personality coming through uh, also, but uh, which I will admit that I have. But I, I just felt like Fool me once, you know, yep. uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So that's mm-hmm. that's why it was the last straw for me. Now, now you guys brought up, let me, let me just ask, because I haven't seen episode seven. Um, you said that Cersei got put in, uh, the, I guess the High Sparrow did something with yeah. Cersei? She basically, uh, what's his, that her cousin that she was doing things with tricked on her. And now she's oh, right in on. jail. Well, that you could see that coming from a mile away. But, yeah, right. Uh, the... the uh, the thing that's exciting is that makes what Donald told you about the rest of the season perfectly right. Cause now all of the dominoes are set up to fall yep. and there's going to be a hell of a lot of them. So you're going to love the end of the season. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm pretty sure I'm going to love this ending more than any other <laughs> ending so far, but we will see. Cause there's plenty of other things that can go wrong and plenty of other people who can be hurt in the process. So we will see what happens. As a, as a book reader, well, as a book reader, me and Matt, I think uh, some of the endings to, the, to those, to the Dance of Dragons at least, and, and even Feast of Crows, I had some really good stuff in it that was more in line with what we had seen constantly in book three and book two. Right. I agree. Totally. So I don't think George lost it. A lot of people were saying that he lost it, but I think it was just a rough patch. He kind of wrote himself into an editing hole the way he ended book three, where he pretty much wrapped up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are so many fake outs, though, like in in those two yeah. books that it's it's kind of like you, 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 it, I just felt like that 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 was the only way George felt like he could keep readers strung along in order to get to the good stuff. And it's a shame yeah. that it took him that long to get to the good stuff. He could have had something more dramatic happen in Pike or, or something like that as he went along. Oh, I'm making this into a book podcast. Sorry. Sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, it's OK. Cause this is an open podcast. I guess we don't really have limits to what we talked about like we talked about social media at the beginning so who knows there you go yeah. uh, we do whatever the hell we want on this podcast <laughs> yeah and do you guys have anything else for Game of Thrones uh, not really just needs to hurry up <laughs> hurry up hurry up well I'm excited yeah. I'm excited for you guys I will say you know as a book reader I'm very excited for you guys to uh, to finish the season then I feel bad that I won't be joining you in a way just because I like sharing in that kind of excitement. But um, it yeah. sounds like from what you, what you guys were talking about with this week's episode, that everything is in place for lots of good stuff to happen. So I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. And every time we're on a podcast, I will just tell you what happened that way you can experience. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I don't mind. I don't mind if somebody wants to talk about it. That's that's fine. Yeah. It's everybody's. It's what it's what there is to talk about on television right now. So that doesn't yeah. bother me. It's just that I. If you're, I just, if you're still on Twitter, you'll probably see here and there some things that happen anyway. So. Yeah, I, I try to stay off on Twitter. Off of Twitter on Sunday nights now. Yeah. <laughs> do you um? You don't watch uh, Hannibal, do you, Matt? 
I don't, but I would love to hear you guys talk about it because I've heard lots of good things about it. And okay. I know a new season's coming up, right? So. Yeah. That's going to be a fun show. So just saying, maybe you should watch a few episodes, see if you like it. You watch Dexter. I mean, there's no way you couldn't get through this show. It's it's not as gross. Well, kind of, it's it's weird. It makes you feel weird about eating food sometimes. <laughs> oh, ew. Like you'll like think like how good that might look, but then you're thinking like, oh my god, is that a person? Like you don't know. <laughs> there's no proof. Yeah. But it makes yeah. you question how food is made sometimes, or like what's in your food, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, it's that's smarter a good than smarter than Dexter. Very oh, that's yeah. good. That's miles good. by miles. It's sad, sad for Dexter's sake. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic show. It's, it's it's I feel like just everything about that show is like a piece of art, and I can't praise it enough to the shots, to the color palette of the show, the music, the you know. Some people complain about the actors. I don't mind them as much, but I mean, it's just it's a great. It's a great ride, and it's always very, it's very smart in its own way. But I know you're not gonna like this, Donald. But I really don't like that Gillian, or Gillian Anderson, or whatever her name is. Oh, wow. she's in it. Wow. I don't like really? her in the show. Like yeah, I just, I think like the her. way she talks, like the way she talks, it's just. First of all, it feels very like it feels like she's just reading a script. You know, she's reading like. She's reading a modern day like Shakespeare, you know, just saying things that just seem very <laughs> ambiguous on top of weird hidden. Like, it's just all all ambiguous, like the way she talks. It's just so I don't even know how to explain. It. I just don't like that. And then her character is just like she is such a she's not a bitch, but she makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you think it's more a part of the script or is it her? I think it's the script. Like, I don't think it's the... No, the actress okay. is fine. It's just, you know, the the way she talks. It's just like, no one talks like the... Same with Hannibal. Sometimes you just... the yeah. it's, it's the words that he says. It's not him. It's just the the things oh. that he's off the page, you know? It's like, what yeah. are you saying, bro? <laughs> like, it's I, I weird. I think we, had, we actually had this conversation on Twitter once that... Yeah. I have a problem... I have that problem with a lot of TV is that really? sometimes it's just, it's not believable. Like, people don't, everybody doesn't talk in poetry. Everyone yeah, exactly. doesn't talk perfectly. People talk over each other. You know, people slur their words and mispronounce their words. I wish people would introduce that into scripts, like TV and movie, more often, just to give it a more realistic type of feel. But I understand Absolutely. what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's Yeah, but that, that show's heavy with that. Yeah, like it's a it's it's in a sense it's like art, and it even translates to some of the, the the way people speak to each other, or even just like their their cadences. Like like her cadence is so horrible. Like I cannot stand the way she she delivers her lines. I'm just like, no, just talk like a regular person, dude. Well, like, you know, a lot of people have that problem with with Jillian Anderson because she was, I think, she was born in America. But she was raised uh, in like Britain somewhere, and she okay. she had that accent. Then she came back to America, and her accent phased out. And then maybe like ten years ago, she decided all of a sudden she was going to have a British accent again, and she started <laughs> having an accent in like interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. And she also has like a tiny little slur, like a, a lisp. She has a tiny little lisp, which uh, I started to notice towards the end of X Files. 
So there, there's a lot of different things about her voice that, that could be annoying in the way she delivers stuff like that. So I can, believe me, I understand totally what you're saying when, when you say it like that. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Terminator series, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes. But uh-huh. the um, Cersei, I forgot the Lita, is that her name? Or Le- like Lena Headey. Yeah. 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 Like her, her, her voice in that show, in the Terminator show, was like so bizarre to me. Like I, like that was one thing I couldn't get over was just how bad some of her lines were, and I think she was struggling with suppressing her her accent. So like uh-huh. you could hear these weird, weird like cadences or this just weird way of a, a word being like just the deliverance was so strange, and I was like, what is going on with this lady? And then. You know, I learned more about where she was from and all that. I'm like, oh man, she's probably struggling keeping some of those, the the her just her native language, you know, or her her native way of talking, just keeping that down because it was like so bad in that show. I hated it. Oh, I loved Lena Headey in that. I didn't even notice it. That's how that's really? how in love with Lena Headey I am. And, I was, I and Julian it. Anderson, the the lisp thing <laughs> that just makes her adorable to me. I, I oh don't worry God. about that stuff. See the lisp, I don't have a problem with. It's just it's the it's the way she talks. It's her cadence and just the deliver. It's just so weird. Like it's literally in like the rhythm of it. You know, she. I don't even get it. It's crazy. It's bizarre to me, but whatever. To each their own, I suppose. And I I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of her this season, Donald. So that's going to be fun to get over. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of the previews, but they're intentionally not showing anyone except for Hannibal and her. Yeah, all wow. I know is is that finale was like so crazy, and I'm just like, is this show done forever? <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if you if you read the books or, or even watched the movie, then you kind of know what, what's gonna happen. But they they take a little bit of liberty to do their own thing, so I'm really yeah. excited to see like who who survives that or not. Just based on um, yeah, that was just based on the movies alone, like. Yeah, like just based on the movies, like it's very clear that he is familiar with the European area, so it only makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So it's it's cool. Like I haven't read the books. I was actually going to try and do some, like just start from the beginning with that series this summer and just go through it because, I mean, the show is just so compelling. I love what they've done with it. I I, I just want to know like the simplicities of like, you know the book and the show. Like I just want that comparison because it's always so interesting to me when they. Mm-hmm. You know, bring something like media, a different media form into, you know, movies or, you know, TV. So, but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm excited. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say, even if you just watch the movies, it follows the movies. It, uh, it follows the main bullet points of the movies pretty well. Like, even to the, to the point of that guy that got uh, mutilated. In yeah, last that was so disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that was gross. And that, and that sort of follows the plot line as well. I think the second movie, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. All right. But yeah, uh, Matt, if you ever want to watch that show, it's it's really, really good. It moves kind of slow at times. Yeah. But uh, it's it's on NBC, which I still don't understand. It it could be right in line with Penny Dreadful or any other shows that you see on cable. Wow. But the quality is just so high. And and she's had people complain about the actors, but I think they're all good. And Lawrence Fishburne, Julian Anderson... Uh, I don't know anybody else's name, but they're all good if you ask me. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much like on board with everyone on there. So, I don't know. Well, that, that I mean, 
That sounds cool. Now, why is the production level so high? I mean, it's not like a 20-ep season, is it? Is it shorter? Or? No, I think it's just 12. Yeah, ah, okay. That's why the production level's higher, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Right on. I'll check it out. Why not? I got nothing else to do. <laughs> I, I got a, I got a, I got a month of Sunday nights left to, to, with yeah. just to catch up on shows. So there we go. Nice. And you got like twenty minutes. Of, the Louis episodes are like twenty five minutes. Yeah, they're really short. So that's twenty, right? Okay. And then uh, the Hannibal, Hannibal's what? This is season three. Yep, I believe. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that should be easy. Right. All right. Well, maybe next time I'll be able to talk about them. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. That's great. So, uh, what do we have left? Do you guys have any other shows? think that's it yeah that's good for me i how far are you in penny dreadful donald are you current oh yeah i'm, I'm caught up all right i'm not i'm still like a, an episode behind my last one was with uh with her going to see the 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 day walker going out to the shack mm-hmm. maybe i'm too behind i don't know oh that's a good episode oh that was fantastic I just yeah. oh man that was that was great and and with the witches coming out there and and the face off yeah. and all man I just I just love that I that that brought a whole new level to Vanessa's character that I just totally love and it just it let and I think there was like most of that episode probably ninety percent of the episode was all in that that one little area yeah yeah so yeah. It, it really just let Eva Green just be herself and just act pants off everyone. Man, she is so good. I didn't realize how good. You know, I saw that uh, there's a movie with Lena Headey and, and her in it uh, about some kind of Greek thing. What is it, 300 or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I was sitting there. Yeah, when I watched that movie, I was laughing at it mostly because it just seems <laughs> a little bit too over the top. Uh, uh-huh. But Eva Green really scared me, you know, and that was after watching the first season of Penny Dreadful that I saw this. So I, I was just kind of like, maybe I was already in that mindset and, and, and was giving Eva Green more props than she deserved. Lena Headey was terrible in that movie, by the way, um, but uh, and which was a real shame. I still like looking at her. I'll just say that. Uh, kid show, yeah. right? Uh, Do you know what, what movie Lena Headey was really good in? What's that? I think, it's, uh, I think it's Dread. I haven't seen that. I'll have to check it out. I think it's like the Judge Dread sequel or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not the best movie ever. But I heard the really soundtrack fun. is really good too. Oh, cool! Definitely have to check that out then. Um, but yeah, um, Eva Green is just killing it, and you know I don't know how much credit Billy Piper gets as an actress. You know I loved oh. her in Doctor Who, but um, I think that she she's kind of stepped her game up over the years. What about you? I haven't seen anything she was in. I saw a little bit of that call girl stuff because somebody told me she couldn't make it. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I saw a little bit of it. I, I think I think in, in this type of show, like even um, what's the guy's name? The, the guy who plays the werewolf. Oh, I don't I remember his, his name, name. The actor's name either. Yeah, but I, I think everybody. It's like the show almost wills everyone to step their game up. Yeah, because I, I I remember thinking uh, Billy Piper. I was like, she's doing a really good job. I didn't think she had. Been. Yeah, she's been fantastic. Yeah, but um, I guess so, one of my complaints with this 
thought my mind, well, I only can play for this show is that sometimes the plot is a little hard to understand. Like I don't know what they're doing. And I don't I couldn't I couldn't describe what the show is to anyone. I, I have no idea what, what they're doing. It's just like just a bunch of people just kinda of together and getting involved in this stuff. But um I, I like the idea that the plot moves really slow at times and you and it's kind of it's kind of just just kind of get absorbed absorbed into it. Yeah. And it, it is really it's really scary like you said because most of the time I watch the show late at night like after Game of Thrones and then after we did the, the initial reaction and then I'll just be settling in it'll be like maybe 1 a.m. and I'll watch it and I'll like then I'll go to sleep and have like stupid dreams about it because I, I waited so late to watch it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Josh Hartnett is his name. Oh right on. Yeah, well, that whole cast is amazing, and, and and Timothy's doing just a great job. Uh, although he always does. The only time I ever didn't like Timothy was when he was uh, the Gallifreyan uh, headmaster or whatever. Uh, yeah. I just thought that was really. I was just like Timothy Dalton, what are you doing? <laughs> but uh, I yeah, love him. Most in because this show. that episode was so bad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right down to him spitting that. at the camera. Yeah. Yeah, he was like just drooling. Out. Uh, but I hate that. I feel like to this day that David Tennant had to go out on that that type of episode. It was really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Uh, anyway. We, uh, go ahead. I just wanted to throw out there. Have we heard anything about the new season of Doctor Who yet? I know that Maisie Williams is going to be a guest star on one of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard mm, that. And I know we're stuck with Moffat for a long time. <laughs> Looks that way. I'm just like seriously considering just not watching it until someone says like, oh, this episode was really great. And then watch that one episode. Because like, I feel like every time I watch it, it's just, it's not like I'm super disappointed. It's just like, it's just, it's so different from what I fell in love with. And it's like, it's never going to be that again. And that's fine. But it's just not, it's not for me anymore, I guess. And that bums me out because I thought I would forever like be on board with this show, so I don't know what I'm gonna do anymore. It's it's depressing to think about. Aww, see, I, I wish I was I, I, I as principled as I appear to be to most people. Doctor Who is a weakness. I can never stay away, no matter whether I'm gonna throw things at the TV screen or not. I don't know why. Like uh, I want, I want to, I just want to stop. I just, I don't know if I will or not. But yeah, it's just one of those shows. It's just something you hope to find that gem in. But I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do if I'll keep watching, if I'll just tune in every once in a while. I don't know. I kind of miss Matt Smith. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> now, whoever thought that they would say that, right? Isn't that funny? It's, it's kind of weird. Like, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Right. So, I don't yeah, know. it's very true. The, the new guy is great, but the new guy is really good, but he, he just, the tone has just changed so so much to the point where it's like, I don't, I don't get giddy and excited anymore. I'm just yeah. I just watch it. Same here. That's why that's why I'm like I don't know if I should just wait till there's that one great episode or that and it's just like I I just don't like Clara. They can they can put her in 20 different ways and make her so much better and all that. I just I don't like her character. I don't really care for the story that they've built for her and honestly, I'm just I was so happy that she was going to possibly be gone and they wrote her off in such a nice way and it was like respectable. And then they kind of took that away. And now, now I'm like, well, there's no looking forward to Capaldi growing on his own and 
being something new. It's just now it's going to be more or less of what last season was. Just tethered to Claire. Yeah. Uh, and I think Donald can testify to this. The whole thing with Clara, they, they pulled a supernatural. You know, you had this big, great, fantastic ending for Clara. And then they just pulled it back, which really sucked. Yeah. Uh, which is exactly what they did with the last episode of season five of Supernatural uh, in order to give them a season six. It was just like, why is Sam there? <laughs> okay, there, there's my spiel. <laughs> no, you're totally right, though. I understand that. Uh, at the same time, I'm still going to watch Dr. D premiere. I probably will be getting for the premiere, but then it'll, it'll let me know. So, <laughs> then you'll, uh, like, remember. My, you'll, it'll all come rushing whole, back. Yeah, my my only hope is still to see like old characters come back. Yeah, like I would love to just just surprise us and just have like David Tennant pop up or our, one of the old companions, <laughs> or the old monsters that, or something like that. But uh, this has never happened. David Tennant went back to do Broadchurch after his his recreation of the show. Of the he made a United States version of that show where he played the same character, and it was a, sort of like a remake. And then that got canceled, so we went back to the original show to another season. I was really confused. Oh, really? So the B- yeah. so the BBC did the Broadchurch, and the the other one was on Fox, right? Grace Point is that what that was called? Yeah, Grace Point with, with Skyler from Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. I started to watch that, and after about two episodes, I was done with it. Um, yeah. Is the Broadchurch version better? Well, people said. Well, from what I heard, the first few episodes it was like a scene-to-scene remake almost. Because they were saying, like, David Tennant was saying the exact same lines. Like, why would he take this part playing, like, a different character? But then they said it started to diverge a bit. Hmm. But then got, it got canceled, so he went back to the original show and made another season. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wow. weird to me. Like, just imagine that. Well, as skinny as David Tennant is now, I guess he needs to keep working to find some way to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, man. I like I like to see him as something good, so I haven't got to watch the Butchers yet. So, yeah, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. I don't know if I can find a way to access it. Uh, is is it on Netflix or anything? Does anybody know? I did. I did see Butchers on Netflix. Okay, so then I'll check it out there. Too. Yeah, I'll check it out there then. Okay, so we've been podcasting for over two hours now. What I'll do, um, I guess, we'll just go around the table one more time. Uh, Matt, I, pro- I know you probably don't watch this, but I want to ask Camille if she watches Dragon Ball Z. Um, I used to when I was like in middle school, and that was a long time ago. So. Yeah, it's um, been up there for twenty years, so I'm assuming. Yeah, and aren't they bringing it back? Yes, they made. They recently made a movie, and the movie was successful. Then they made another wow. movie with with another character came back, and now they're doing an entirely new series. And from what I read about it today, they've commissioned 100 episodes of it. What the heck? That's uh, a lot of episodes. And, yeah, and I'm about four years older than you, so you were in middle school. I was watching it in high school, and I remember <laughs> just loving it and falling in love with it. And recently they released them in Blu-ray. I bought all the Blu-rays and I rewatched it, just loved it. And now <laughs> wow. they're, they're remaking it again with, like, new crisp animation and a little bit of computer-generated animation in it, too. Yeah. So I'm I might I might try it out and just get get excited about it all over again. Do you watch or have you watched Attack on Titan? They're gonna have a movie out this year, like a like a full fledged movie for it. 
like a in the theaters. Yeah, like it's gonna be like live action, I believe. It, the trailers look oh, wow. crazy. Yeah, but really? I don't know if it's. I'm I'm pretty sure it's like it'll be like. I hope it's not English dub, but it more than likely it will be. Um, like you, it's probably gonna be out. I think at the middle to end of the summer, I believe. But yeah, that's okay. gonna be a so, thing. Have you seen the show? Is it, is it in line with the show? I've seen a little bit of it. Um, it's. I believe it's just like condensed, you know, story. It'll oh. probably be oh. like the first, first like maybe handful of episodes, maybe more. I don't know where they'll where they'll end, but they're definitely gonna start the CGI surge, like like story of it, you know, like the live action or whatever. Yeah, that, that's one thing I was worried about when you said it because I remember watching the Dragon Ball Z movie and yeah. thinking, "What is this crap?" Yeah, and that was, like, the same with, like, Death Note. It was just awful. Yeah. Like, I hated it. I <laughs> love Death Note, but I hated that movie so much. Yeah. But the movie looks promising. It looks scary as hell, and that's, like, definitely, like, a good selling point for for the anime. So I'm I'm hoping it'll be good. But I'm going to see it either way, and it's going to be the death of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I look for that trailer whenever, whenever we hang up. Uh, while I have you, do you have anything you want to? Mention that we didn't mention or say goodbye? Um, I mean, oh, you know what I think we should do? I was going to say we should totally all try to watch Daredevil and then come back in like a few months and talk about it. I think that'd be sweet. Okay, that's doable. I've seen the first two episodes, so I can get through it. Yeah, and I haven't even started it yet. And I'm in the same place you are, Donald. I've, uh, well, I think I've watched the first three, so... Yeah, we should totally do that then. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Matt? Well, first of all, uh, I just want to say to everybody listening, make sure to listen to Donald on Podcast Littlefell if you're into Game of Thrones. And make sure Mm -hmm. to listen to Camille on Simon's Cake if you're uh, into gaming. Uh, And... And also, I want to say, uh, if you're into Star Wars at all, get into Star Wars Rebels. I love that animated show on Disney. I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. I love the way they've tied it into the Clone Wars, some of the Clone Wars characters. Um, if you're into that, any of that stuff that Disney has done in the last few years in regards to, uh, into regards to the Star Wars franchise, and if you're looking for something to do to keep your mind off of the upcoming ep- Episode 7, then look at, look at those. Uh, there's a full season of Rebels. There's like six seasons of Clone Wars. Uh, you can definitely get Clone Wars on Netflix. Um, I think you can still get, uh, if you have Disney XD, you can still get all of the first season of Rebels on demand. Check it out. And you can follow me at Musical Concepts on Twitter. How was that? Awesome. Matt, I don't know if you remember from your um, uh, Game of Thrones call-in show that you did so long ago. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we we actually have Kelly coming on tonight. So Oh, excellent. Questions. Say hi to Kelly for yeah. me then. We will do. We'll do. But I guess that's it for us. Thank you guys for uh, listening. Hope you guys enjoy it and come back next time, which will be another blue moon. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Donald is at Donald JR, pardon me, and yeah. Camille is at Lady Oddity. See ya.